Due to the complex layering of the philosophical ideas outlined in this podcast episode, we strongly recommend multiple repetitions of listening to fully comprehend the material within. We are not responsible for the ejection of brain matter from the skulls of individuals who made the free will choice to allow this particular arrangement of sound pressure waves into their ear canals. Listener discretion is highly advised. Today's episode is brought to you in part by Weinstein's Geometric Unity Biscotti. Now with extra corks and none of the neutrinos. Dip them in every dimension. Okay, so we were just talking about um, when I was a kid, I got on a plane and I moved to a logging camp in the middle of the wilderness. And I was a teenager at the time. And I don't know if you all know, but when you're a teenager, your peers are important to you. Like being around other people your age, it's where you derive and start building your identity. There's just all this stuff that you can read about in a book somewhere. But anyways, we flew and we dropped into this place. There's no telephones. Just one, really. There was no people. There was no stores. There were no malls. No nothing. We had one TV channel that played a lot of tribal dancing. Like it, <laughs> there, it was one of the most isolated places on the planet. And I was dropped in there at the height of my psychosocial development that I needed a lot of peers. And so there was this, the Cranberries album, No Need to Argue. I just, I had it and I listened to it solidly for the year and a half that I was there. It was kind of my saving grace. And the other day, you know, there's a lot of, um, there's just so much angst right now. And there's, it's, everybody's all pissed off. And I hadn't listened to this album for probably, I'm going to say 20, 25 years, a long time, you know, because she passed away and all that stuff. I'm sure you heard a couple songs here and there. Like clips, but... But not, you not know, not as a actually, whole. You're not sitting and actually listening to the album. Yeah. Exactly. And I was paying, I was paying bills and doing chores and doing adult things. And, and I just listened to this album while I was doing the dishes and stuff. And I was like, one, I understand it on a deeper level now because of experienced life. So when she talks about losing babies and she talks about getting together with people, you don't understand that when you're 14 or 13, but right. you understand it when you're in your thirties. Uh, to cut you off just for a no, second okay. here, Go I ahead. think that's a, actually a good point that I never thought about until now. I've kind of known it, but never really pondered on it. But like with art, when you're kind of looking at art, if it's a painting or listening to a, a, an album or a song, mm-hmm. anything like that with art, the more life experience you have to reflect into the art or off of the art to kind of figure out the message of the art. Mm-hmm. I think it's uh, it's a lot more powerful as time passes. Like now, yeah. you listen to that when you're 14, you only have your experiences as being a 14-year-old and, and, the, and the time up leading to that. Yes. To really compare to what the artist is trying to say or the emotional like uh, message, I what guess. To most convey. art Most art tries to speak emotionally, in my opinion. Sometimes it's political and weird, but most art is just basically portraying an emotional... Uh, message of some sort. It's like language that transcends actual language of words. It's visual or audio. Yeah. Yes. Especially music is very good at this. For whatever reason, it's, I think, our language verbally started as more musical in a sense. Um, It was patterns of expression. Exactly. So music is a little easier to interpret, but with visual art and other art forms, it's like, it's definitely just portraying some kind of emotional thing that we don't have words for, and it's easier to connect emotionally to people than just hearing a sentence, in my opinion. Well, it's so a good opinion, yeah. as a 14-year-old, you only have those experiences to compare to that emotional message, and maybe you can't quite empathize with 
I couldn't. Well, okay. So it resonated at 14. It resonated with my emotional angst at yes. that time. Very much so. The words, the way that the the way that she sings, the cadence of the singing, yeah. the music. It was very emotional music, which rightly so because of Ireland. Mm-hmm. But now as an adult, it's different. It still yeah. resonates with me. But now the experience of the music, I can feel the pain in a different way. Yeah. And you have different experiences from your from your memories and from your life. and different. You've probably made stronger emotional pathways in your brain. Yes. So it hits you differently. But still awesomely. Yeah. That was the thing that really struck me. Not to mention that they, they also plugs us a, a, a little bit of nostalgia into it, which also yes. really triggers things a different way. So then you it brings back these emotional pathways from when you were 14 and triggers new ones new understandings from being an yeah. adult so i don't know maybe i don't have the the right words for what i'm trying the point i'm trying to make here but it's just weird just consider art over time and uh, i think it's important con- to revisit continue your story but well no i think it's important to revisit things that gave you an, an elicited an emotional response when you were young yes as an older person because one you'll glean new insights because if it did elicit a response that means it mattered to you at some point yeah and then it's kind of magical to discover that where you've been, where you're at, and gives you reflection. I think it's just something so amazing about music. I think right now, a lot of people in our country need to listen to some good music. Yeah. You were kind of talking about that. Oh, yesterday yes. was a good point. I was uh, I was watching these like like composing professionals or recording professionals or vocal teachers. Mm-hmm. Basically, these like musical professionals. I was watching them analyze certain songs that I like. And, and uh, one of them, I wrote, I was Cemetery Gates by Pantera. Excellent. If you guys don't know that song, I don't know where you've been, but it's a good song. Go check it it's out. It's been around a hot minute. It's a very good song. I didn't realize how much of a masterpiece that song was, and I've always liked the song, but when I watched it being broke down, and for whatever reason, yesterday I was listening to it with a different state of mind than I ever have. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was the analytical sense, or maybe it wasn't, but I really, it really just was like, I, I, I can't believe this song was such a masterpiece for just a basic rock song. But my point is I hadn't even heard that song in a while, never really listened to it as deeply as I as I did yesterday. So it was like, it's really good to go and revisit certain things, especially art. Well, and I think that in that point that we're not talking about, you know, as a young person, you don't have the perspective to enjoy things deeply. It's just, mm-hmm. I think that your brain and your experiences change you over time. And so it's good to revisit stuff because, yeah. I, you know, a lot of young people write very, very profound, very deep things. But I think even if they revisited it later, they would have a different perspective on it. Yeah. It's, and, and I, and then it makes me wonder, where's all the good music? We're in this massive amount of turmoil and I don't see a lot of it. Am I looking in the wrong places? Yeah. I, I do take a trip once in a while and just kind of try to find things. And a lot of it is just so tonally dead inside. Yeah. Maybe we're all there, dead inside. I think there's a few variables that contribute to that. Um, commercialism one is the just the general attitude of everybody lately it's like de- depression's on a big rise the world and this pandemic has been affecting everybody so all this new music coming out kind of reflects that a little bit the other variable is just especially in pop music it's like so much of it's already been done how many times can you really write a song with a one six four uh you know chord progression well can and i just you can yeah. change it up here and there but like to uh, unfortunately, this the nature of pop music is very limited, just structurally wise. You can only do so much to be still considered pop, without jumping out into the uh, avant garde. Point taken. As we just learned about with one of our, the intro songs we did, okay. but like so, without just becoming some kind of weird niche or, or subclass of pop, like hyper pop, where it's just like this really low, rumbly, distorted bass because of the they boost the volume on the low frequencies, and then you have this contrasting super high-pitched vocals that it, it became popular in Japan and then it was popular here for a very short amount of time 
and somehow it's dying, thank God, but they're like hyper pop, and then you have all this weird, what they call trap. Yeah. Trap rock or whatever going on, and thanks to rap. like, thanks to Spotify artists, be like Corpse becoming big. But it still hasn't gained as much traction as pop music. But my point is, is like, structure, as a pop song structurally, you can really only do so much to remain in that realm of pop and be considered like, this is perfect for the radio. Where do you so think it's going to go? A lot of that probably has to do with that. So really you're relying on like, like your, your lyrics and vocals to really portray the emotional message rather than like intricate song structures and stuff. But like a lot of it is in so much of a minor key. Like it's so depressing. Yeah, but lately it, is all, it all seems to be very minor key or even just tonally flat. Yeah, like very mon- monotone. Yeah. You know, and, like... and it even could be... Con- the other variable involved in that is our interpretation based on our emotional state, not even just the artists, and it could be part of partly due to that. Do you think too. it's collective monotony, like because everybody? Yeah, I mean, we're so overstimulated with everything now, too. The... Maybe even just our our plane of existence vibrationally. Sorry to get all cue shaman on you, but yeah, our yeah. plane of existence vibrationally is flat. Well, and, the and then how do you We've, change so the momentum of such vibrations? Like there has, because look mm. at, okay, 50s, 60s, and 70s, some of the greatest music ever, ever, ever made, right? Mm-hmm. And we'll even go 80s and 90s because you're talking about Pantera. There was so much explosion and growth. Bad things were happening There was then a too. lot of innovation. But there was bad things happening then too. Yeah, so there was. Why, There's always why, bad things well, happening. Well, that's what I mean. So why is it because of the sheer volume of stimuli our brain, well, I was yeah. talking about earlier that what was our big thought we had about... That we were not developed yet. I wrote it down. That we haven't evolved the neuroplasticity to handle the sheer volume of data that's being thrown at us. Yeah. And I think that that could be part of the problem. Because you know how they said that creativity is dying? I think Who you said have, that? Uh, well, if you look at... People have been complaining about mm-hmm. it for years with movies because there's not a lot of that's creativity true. coming You're out. You're right. Because a lot of the time... And it's always been the case, I think, at least in the last couple decades where... It's so much easier to just grab a story that somebody already wrote that was original 50, 60 years ago. Then you have licensing issues, so it's cheaper just to go for the stuff that isn't copyrighted. Yep. So you go and you grab, let's say how Disney, and this is decades ago already, but like uh, Disney, Walt Disney, for example, Mm -hmm. almost all of the uh, early Disney works are just in uh, basically westernized versions of other fairy tales and stuff. Like Snow White was already a story. Robin Hood was already a story. The Little Mermaid was already a story. None of these were original works. Nope. They were original interpretations of original works. So, like, nobody had that specific interpretation yet. So, in a way, there was a sense of originality, in a a sense. Not to mention technological innovations that allowed him to make a damn cartoon. Well, and and there was... So, it was definitely original. it, It was original in some senses. But the narrative wasn't. That's but what you're the about. the yeah the the actual narrative the story itself was not really original it was just it was changed here and there and it portrayed a different message maybe at least I think as far some, as Disney's I think concerned, some but, narratives like the hero's journeys yeah. have always resonate with humans and that is guaranteed cash yeah. flow and Disney wasn't the only one it's just a good example because we all know what that is and we've yes. all seen a lot of us well, have, like most movies. of us have seen all of the early Disney films but yeah. let's go to today. Most movies today are just sequels or remakes or other other ripped off you know, part of a franchise or other ripped off thing. It's almost like there's a thirty thousand McDonald's. It's a chain restaurant. It's the same thing now. We just have like chain stories in a way. I've been and they're getting, just gonna keep going. I've been getting hit with that a lot as lately because we were talking about how during the pandemic only big box stores were allowed to prosper because for some reason mm-hmm. the Rona didn't go in there. But I was thinking about Sandra yeah. Bullock and Demolition Man and how she was like oh, yeah. all restaurants are Taco Bell. 
And <laughs> and she was completely fine with that. I like forgot it, about that. Well, it's it's something that's always struck stuck with me when I think about monopolization of the marketplace and stuff like that is she was conditioned to it. And it really was yeah. just shocking to her that it bothered him so much. It's just like... Because yeah, him being uh, from a different time period. Yeah. That movie, actually, I might need to go back and rewatch it because there's that's a lot cool. of things there, in I it. I mean, that's a good point as to uh, how there is still original work. They're just buried by all this this chain chain art, let's just call it. And is that an ob- is that an obligation I need to, to take upon myself is to find and promote such things? Because I do want it on the blockchain. Like, I've been doing a lot of work on my blog. And there's this big, huge push to engage and to promote the smaller people. Mm-hmm. Because there is some really amazing creativity out there. It's just buried under the noise. A lot of thing, a lot of profound things are buried under noise. I mean, it's always been like that. And it's that. up to us to curate it, because yeah. that's what humans do. We curate things. We are very good at curating things. It almost seems like our entire purpose is to curate. Have we ceded that responsibility? Are we the, cur- because are of the, we the curate? Are we the autobiographers of the universe? That's what I really want to know. I mean, that was oh, autobiographers. <clears throat> we created I watched, it. I watched this Vsauce video a few days Who's ago Vsauce? about. Oh God, uh, I watched part of that. that it was about. Uh, it was a fucking mind blower. It was about mm-hmm. temporal illusions, and mm-hmm. I don't want to go too deep into it because it, I'll have to watch it a couple more times that, to really though. understand it. I need to watch the rest of but it. But one of the points he did make is like. Uh, is like basically we might be just the universe's autobiographers. Like if we're all wiped out, the sun will still, the, the world will still rotate, we'll still go around the sun, the universe will still do the universe things, but the autobiographers won't be here anymore. At least if we're the only ones. But we create. But let's just say too. we are the only ones, just to make this point work. Okay. Um. If we, we that's what we've been good at for the entire time we've been on Earth. So I can have curating information, not... aggregating points, aggre- aggregating thoughts, um, it's studying the world around us and writing it down. We've always been good at that. So I could have a beard or not, but it wouldn't matter as long as it yeah. wasn't wrote down. Like e- even just the earliest cave paintings, it was that's like true. somebody had to write down the world around them for some reason. They just felt compelled to. It's almost innate. Do you think that's why we're constantly seeking patterns and trying to make sense of things? Because it's necessary to our purpose, if that's our purpose. Uh, and I'm, and I'm, I'm really, it's a stretch to say that we're, this is what we are. Another, it's weird because I did, I've heard this a couple other places too, though. This is back when brain I was, train shit. Back when I was super duper into conspiracy theories. Okay. Which is fun. I, I recommend everybody go down that rabbit hole a couple times. You don't have to believe the conspiracy theories. But my God, are they entertaining? Some of them are very creative. Oh my God, it's better than any movie sometimes. The things these people <gasps> come up with. That's where the creative people are. Yeah. They're making I think that's the problem. <laughs> but but uh, there was this job. fucking YouTube video. I can link it if you guys want, or you can you can reach out to me. I can get, Maybe I'll just put it on the Twitter, at GoWhyTheShow. There you uh, go. On Twitter. But it's this thing called the Pleiadian message. I don't, un- I don't remember who. I think one of my coworkers Ooh. told me about this. We're going to It was it a up. very weird, like... YouTube video framed as like this alien was trying to give us a message as to what our purpose is. But she said in this video, the narrator of the video, not the alien, because I don't think she was actually an alien. Um, but basically she was saying we are the librarians. We were put here as the librarians of the universe. We were here to archive everything. And we, when we, when we were planted here by the supposed Pleiadians, mm-hmm. um, they also, they were responsible for all the other life forms. So we have life forms from all of the different planets that support life in the universe living amongst us on Earth. And we were here to study them and and uh, write down information about them, study their anatomy, psychology, everything that we already do on Earth. It was a very convenient, um, like, I guess you could even say this was a retcon on, on 
on our reality here on earth that somebody came up with it was very creative that they would make this youtube video and say that but it made me wonder at the same time i'm like you know that's not the first time we're talking this ancient was, aliens theory this that was we've maybe, seated here why does that keep coming back yeah. up and this was like 13 maybe 13 years ago that i that i oh. saw this video or maybe it was what was it 20 maybe it was only 2015 never mind so that's five years you're in a vortex aren't i don't you? know well Brady, he broke through the fourth dimension i've been down a lot of rabbit holes let's just put it that way yeah maybe this was like i think it was like in 2015 i watched this but anyway my point is is like that compared to what vsauce was saying or how were the autobiographers of the universe possibly because it seems like we're equipped exactly for that in how our just how we work how we operate our sensors and our uh neurology all seems to point to we're just very good at archiving things so compare that to that weird pleiadian message fucking video that i watched and it's a like huh you know maybe there's a there's something to be said there whether it's the words that the lady chose in the pleiadian message or the words that the guy said in vsauce under all of that is a good point that's kind of seems like what we were built for maybe that's our purpose and we're fulfilling it that we're alien archivists yeah. well, maybe <laughs> or just that we're archivists in general. Well, we're as a librarian, this speaks to my soul. I love to. It, but you have to ask. Yeah, it, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I was thinking that was going to tickle your fancy. Yeah. Oh, I'm bit. very happy about this conspiracy um, thing. But uh, I don't even know if it's a conspiracy more than just an idea, a philosophy in a way. When do ideas trip over the threshold into conspiracy? Let's talk about that for a second. Because, yeah, I'd like to. Um, um, usually, like, when somebody takes uh, uh, aluminum foil out of their drawer and shape it into a and hat, shapes it into a hat, and then they place that on their head to block the gamma rays. Okay, because there's a certain conspiracy that has gotten a lot of traction. I've, it's, it's, you know, we're, okay, in North Idaho, we're going to say that <clears throat> our people lean a little bit further to the right than most of the rest of the country. Let's, yeah. I mean, to be fair, that's a fair assessment, right? Majority, at least of our area, is conservative. So, I know that Southern Idaho is starting to get to be scarily yeah, blue. because or people scarily... from the state that have, shall not be named have moved there. Yeah. But let, to go back, to, <laughs> I call Southern Idaho North Utah right. anyways. California um, Mart? I didn't say that. <laughs> so, <laughs> there's this conspiracy called QAnon. I'm sure you've all heard of it because the media will not yes, shut up Q about it. You know, yeah, let's talk I have, about QAnon. I have heard about this, you know, for, for for quite a while because I know some people that are very much on that train. They will not talk, quit talking about the, the adrenochrome and molesting little boys and, and that Trump yeah. is the savior and is going to get these people prosecuted. And I'm not going to discount any of that because people in power have behaved badly for millennia. It's something that humans do. The more power you get, the more corrupt you are, unless you embody virtue. We could talk about that for years. Mm -hmm. But this QAnon thing, it kind of trickled into consciousness. And then I went down a few rabbit holes trying to discover, like, what is the purpose of this? And I still cannot figure out what the purpose of this conspiracy is. I don't even is know it where justice? I don't even know where people are finding this QAnon thing. 4chan? I cannot find 8chan, where this supposedly originated. Whoa. I even went on the... I got the Tor browser, and I... Dug really deep into trying to find the onion link to the 8chan, and I cannot fucking access it. I don't know what. Maybe is you're it an invite on the only? Inside. So my point is, is like, where does QAnon come from? Because if it comes from 4chan, then we should be worried because nothing usually good comes from 4chan except some pretty freaking amazing troll campaigns. Well, and is it like Bitcoin, <laughs> where something you don't know where it comes from has actually been good, or is it something you don't yes, know where I it comes from? Because it's sort it could of could be the Chinese misinformation. Plot. Well, and I, I, and I feel like people. Here's another. It's you, become a religion, uh, though. The, the, unfortunately, to understand that conspiracy, all we can do is stack more conspiracies on top of it. Because yeah. underneath it all, it is a conspiracy. There are more than one person plotting to, like, uh, 
fulfill this plan of QAnon or whatever. Well, so it technically, by every definition, it is a, a conspiracy. Because there's no, there's no independently Where's the line between theory and what's actually happening? That's well, and the, I feel the like the danger is. with conspiracies is the propensity for humans to, once something makes sense to your worldview in your, in your mind, mm -hmm. then you want to glom every other injustice or every other suspicious thing onto that particular view. Yeah. And I'm seeing that with this... And that really disturbs me a little bit because, one, you have literally no control over any of that stuff. But mm. then you're letting it rule your life. Like, there are people that are living their entire life by this conspiracy edicts. And they don't... Yeah. But it's like, you, you've you never even seen the person that wrote it. How do you know they're even a good person? How do, they, how do we know they're even human? We don't. What if this came to be from some rogue AI? And I'd love to... Uh, we're getting into the sci-fi realm here, which I love, absolutely. Oh, I like it'd be a perfect movie plot. Just Hello, creativity. For, yeah, exactly. Think for a minute, though. Could it be a fucking rogue AI? We don't fucking know, because we're not in the realm of AI. If there's it, any AI professionals out there that could shine some light on the at least the the vague possibility it could be, let me know. Did right-wing Vision decide to have fun because he's stuck in WandaVision? Like, what? Oh, yeah, huh? I mean, like, what's going on there? I don't there? know. Here's the thing. What is Q... If anybody has any information on QAnon... Is there a fucking email list I can sign up for to get these QAnon messages? Because I'd like to... I like to take every point of view for these things. Like I said in the last episode, I watch CNN and I watch InfoWars because those are the two fringes. Yeah. And I try to, like, go, okay, so let's, what's in between all this? What's in between the lines? What's going on? And yeah. then I try to form my own... And then I dig with different information. I look at the facts... Or, like, like, I look at some of the sources where InfoWars gets their information, and I look at the sources where CNN gets their information. You go further. So That's... I try to dig into the middle of it all, and it's not always easy, and it's not always possible, but I do that. So I now I'm now there's a third one in here, that QAnon shit, where everybody's getting their fucking crap. Where, um, Like, my, uh, my father-in-law got this text message from his brother and it was just this picture of uh, of a document not a document but like an email chain or something like that mm -hmm. it was a screenshot of like an email chain supposedly came from QAnon, and uh it was saying like nancy pelosi got locked in prison and this and that and stay out of the cities and especially philadelphia or something basically a bunch of fucking absolute bullshit probably well, like most likely i don't know again well, and I, and I, I don't know nancy pelosi and i don't know if she's in prison or not but then I see these YouTube videos, is Nancy Pelosi speaking from prison behind a green screen? And it's just like, I don't even, I don't even know what's real anymore. And I think I've lost wrong. my touch of well, what's real. Well, if you real. just look here, like on, that it has its own Wikipedia entry, that cracks me up. <laughs> QAnon is a disproven and discredited far-right conspiracy theory alleging that a cabal of Satan worship cannibalistic pedophiles is running a global yes, child we all know the, ring and plotting against Trump. Who's we all know the, the theory, but where, who is QAnon? What well, is, and then, Q, is it just... And then on USA Today, now the, the FBI has called it a domestic terrorism threat based on unfounded claim there's a deep state apparatus. But the thing is... is there like, is a deep state apparatus. I know, so for It's you, just probably not an alien pedophile cabal. But the thing is, is for them to come out and acknowledge it, it's like gives it validity. Yeah. Because we know that those sources cannot be dependent upon... I'm looking at US, USA Today. You guys cannot be dependent upon to be non-biased anymore. You have proven that repeatedly. Because I'm the same as you. I look at some Salon. of these people have came out and admitted that they're biased. Well, yeah, I look at Salon.com and I look at Moon Battery every day. I Those are two was... are the most diametrically opposed schools of thought. Yes, they both say a lot of the same things, yeah. just in different ways. So, um, who is QAnon? Who I is... think it was the '90s. Walter Cronkite, the yep. CNN guy, literally admitted that they fucking tailor the news, that they get these fucking cards, and they have talking points on them. And it's not just CNN. All of the news stations get the same card from whatever 
board of directors or some kind of a overarching group who runs all the news. Yep. And they give them these fucking cards every day, and it says, here's your talking points, this is what you need to say, this is what you can't say, yep. and this is the point you need to make. So that's... And you need to beat around the bush on this, and then play these ads. And they get that every fucking day. Well, and that's the thing. People are starting to bring up the word fairness doctrine again. And I think that all of you should research it. My thing is, is the government cannot be run counted on to run anything efficiently. Why should they get to tell you what you can and cannot say for no the news? They have no incentive to run anything efficiently. Well, because they're because there's, bought and paid for. Yeah. And, and so that's my point is I love the idea that you would get on the every day and say, this is what happened. This is where it happened. You know, the five W's. But I don't want the government telling people to do that. Why can't we figure out how to do that as people? Just have an aggregator that says this happened here, this happened there. But it's not that way anymore. Now opinion well, is. Well, you know, we're we're venturing into the land of AI. We are, and so maybe we have hope in the fact that we could design an AI to do just that. That the fairness doctrine AI. Thing. Yeah, I would love that. I I'm just sure don't it's possible, it. and it will be, will be possible sooner or later. But can we implement that? Because wouldn't you love to wake up in the morning? Because I thirst for knowledge. It's like mm-hmm. my sole reason for existence. I'd love to roll over, grab my iPad, and then just see an aggregation of literal facts. Yeah, this like, is this is what an happened. Asteroid went by here, and they all have clear cut sources attached to them. It's the where the AI got its information. Yes, not and you can read into it yourself based on that. And, and like, then if I want to look at opinion on what said things that happened, I could go do that. But in the mm-hmm. beginning, there's what has happened is somewhere along the way, and it started with cable news. Your mm-hmm. opinion became fact, and they, it's the 24 hour news cycle. Like there's a person, there's some of those commentators. They drive me bananas. And they showed their true colors, the right ones did, as soon as the insurrection happened. Boy, they've dialed back their rhetoric. Mm-hmm. They've been encouraging people to do this stuff for years, but it all matters for them to get Pretty their Pretty much, yeah, exactly. And it's not just on the right, the left, too. I mean... Well, I think when you... Ba- I think we touched on this what, because of what Andrew Yang said on Twitter. Oh, yeah, that was a, a genius thing. But it's like when you're incentivized by ad revenue, yes, things always seem to go a little weird, don't they? Well, and I love, like, on my blockchain, you are paid for your content by people that value your content, okay? Like, yeah. they have a stake in it, and they pay. I love that so much better because you're, you're, the content that rises to the top, usually, there's still errors in the human system, but it's good content. It has some value for humanity. That's not how the ad system works. And it lets humanity decide if it has value or not. Yes, instead of this... Instead of, uh, does the fact-checking website... Decide if it's valuable or, or not. does ABC Snap Wipes for your ass decide to pay? You know, like yeah. did they did they lobby to get their product on my show? So I got to yeah, tailor does, tailor my stories does, to get their ad uh, revenue. Does Johnson and Johnson agree that this is valuable to humanity? No, it's literally people. You know, humanity deciding, deciding if it's valuable for humanity or not, which is you know in a sense why how money works in the first place. Well, and I think of how many things have been shelved or hidden or obstructed because of the way our system is structured with ad revenue. Like, mm-hmm. what sort of cool things are we sitting on? The cure for cancer, better automation, because certain companies are in control of things. And yeah. I think in the tech world, yeah. What 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 kind of rev- what kind of revolutions are we sitting on that just aren't profitable yet? I know. I've been thinking about that with the tech world. I keep. Thinking, Where's all the altruists? There's a lot of innovations happening in Internet 3.0. You guys look that up. It's coming. It's the decentralized Internet. I, I think it's the natural evolution of things because there's going to be two Internets. The one that's curated and just your feed is just overloaded the with algorithm. The shopping mall. Yeah, the Facebook feed. That's what yeah. I... What you got, you, it's going to be the shopping mall and the flea market. 
and then there's going to be well and then the real internet where the people are because now you can look at a pair of jogger pants on lululemon and then your entire freaking world is going to be nothing but lululemon feed oh yeah okay so we were looking for my uh my stepdaughter wants a guitar for her birthday uh, my my daughter Kara wants a piano, so then we were trying to say, okay, well, I want to get you guys into music. So, mm-hmm. and then Anna wanted a uh, a guitar when it comes to be her birthday, and that's cool. So we were looking at guitar kits. Excellent. Um, now you're overloaded with guitar ads, aren't you? I'm seeing the exact things I searched. The exact guitar starter kits. They're popping up as ads now on every fucking thing I click on. Or well, every I... news article I read, every internet site I visit, no matter what it is, I get this ad for a guitar starter kit, and it's not even the right ones. It's kind well, of funny. Like, so I ordered, yeah. they're missing a little bit of data here and there, but they know that I'm looking for a guitar starter kit, and that's all I fucking see now. And God knows what's next, whatever I say or click on or whatever. So well, this one scares just, me I'm a just little going bit too. To, my point to... is that's how it works nowadays. They take these general bits of information and they onslaught you, and they go. Oh, he wants to be advertised that way. Actually, I was talking about this with David yesterday. I got to okay. go on a little well, bit. Go, of a, go on a rant. For not me exactly then, a tangent, but this I'll relates tell you what to, happened to me. This directly okay. relates to this. So okay. we and David were talking yesterday, and it's like we're talking about Google and how that whole thing operates, the whole algorithm. It's like here's the problem: is like it's convenient to only get ads based on something relevant to you. I like that in an idea. I don't want tampon ads or perfume ads. It doesn't relate to my life whatsoever. I'll never have to, I'll never buy them. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of happy that I'm getting guitar ads because so, it's obvious that I'm in the market for a guitar. Yeah. It makes sense and it's kind of convenient and nice. But where, where's the line ad, I guess? It's like, I also, to get those curated ads, I'm giving up my absolute privacy, yeah. my identity. Yeah. And so. But and then they're that, making money off of it. It's like, can we get? A, why can't we get a cut of that? Well, you if you guys are going to make, quarter. you Where's guys are making quarter? so much money selling this demographic data. But it's my demographic data that I gave you, and I, I don't think using your product is is incentive enough for you to make all that money and me not to just to use Google. Well, it's like, that's a, is it that important? The, yeah. But if I turn it off, then all of a sudden I don't even get any ads that pertain to me. And is that a problem? I don't know. But no, I have. A, I also really enjoy using Google. That's the, That's the Here's where my problem is. Yeah. This is where it's like, this is where it hurts my head because it's like, it's a paradox. It's a decision you have to make. Mm-hmm. I fucking love Google. It's a, it's a really awesome tool. Mm-hmm. But again, I know using it, they're selling all my data to fucking God knows who. I'm going to get these curated ads. They can look at my camera anytime, listen to my microphone anytime. I know, I know all this, but I love using Google, but it's like, that's where, that's where the moral decision comes in. If I stop using Google, I lose out on all that convenience. All this other stuff. And it's like, and I it know it's not important, but in the back of my mind, I'm like, I, I really love using Google. Well, and is it or is it not virtuous to use Google? I think that's a big question, don't you? Because I yeah. love Google, too. They're such a useful product. I use it and every I day. I love it. Well, and I, that's, awesome I have another product. story, too. I order every year. I order, because um, I have lots of garden seeds. I save my own. I'm a homesteader, blah, blah, blah. But I still, every year, I order seeds because I like to try new things. And I have my favorites. And I also like to support companies that I believe... Mm -hmm. that have morals similar to mine when it comes to farming so there's this little place in utah called true leaf market and they sell seeds and they're heirloom and they have hybrids ones but they're non-gmo and it's just kind of my thing yeah and um so i did my yearly order right did that on i think it was thursday okay i get on pinterest yesterday because i needed a recipe for a shepherd's pie or some crap (laughs) there's just all these true leaf market ads just all over the place order this and 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 i'm like but i didn't (laughs) search for that 
I just they ordered just it from my my Chrome browser, and I'm they like, know. they have these data points. And the thing is, is I'm a librarian. I am really good at Google Foo. I don't need curated ads. And a lot of times it would just, I ignore them and annoy me. You and I might be a little different on that sense, though. Really? I don't need curated ads either. If I'm in the market for something, I know what to look for. Well, that's what I mean. I'm going to go look for it. I, I'm going to. I don't need someone Plus, to come and I say, like hey, this my... is what you should buy. No, I already know all of that stuff. Plus, I, I like to do my research. Yeah, exactly. I like to look through multitudes of ads. And people's opinions. Unfortunately, that's just kind of what you have to do to get information about a product. So I. <laughs> but usually, of... I go straight to the source. Like I know I'm in. Like with your amp, you wanted a guitar amp. Yes. You I went and I. I Ooh, I'm gonna get this that. This is here. my realm of speciality, I guess, is guitar stuff and and I'm audio like, yeah, gear. Yeah, gardening's mine, and your yeah. <laughs> so, um, I am always up to date on the latest gear and all this stuff. So. I recommended something to Katie. She didn't need a curated ad because I was the curator. I prefer human her. curation over yeah. ad curation. But I was able to pr tell her why this is a practical thing, not this, how ads work where it's like, you got to buy this. Oh, by the way, I got an ad yeah. for that as soon as I looked at it. Oh, yeah, I've been getting just, yeah. tons of ads. All but, I did was show Katie a YouTube video for this amp. It's, uh, I'm not even going to say it because now I'm going it's, it's to trigger your guys' cool, ad it's shit. It's a pretty cool app. Um, but, amp, uh, sorry. There's this, yeah, there's this really good guitar amp. It's kind of new and just, you know, it's just really cool. But it, I was able, I showed her that and I, uh, just from a YouTube video, I didn't even get on the website. I just sent her a link to the website and, and watched a YouTube video. And now all of a sudden I'm getting ads for that. And I'm like, that's cool. And all, but I already know about this amp. I don't need an ad to convince me to get it. And maybe that's where consent. I comes need money. In. Is what I need. You are consented to being onslaughted with ads and your privacy invaded because you're using something for free. Yeah. I might like to pay for Google to use it if I could also have the option to not I be onslaughted. I do pay Google. Do you? I give them money for YouTube Premium, so I don't have to watch ads. Okay, but that's just in one <laughs> facet of it. Yeah, exactly. Well, and I. Is pay it, but I'm still getting. I'm still part of it, even well, though I'm giving pay... them money. I am still subject to them selling my data. Well, and yeah, I don't know. Even that's though I'm a, paying them, that's a complicated. I just don't question. have to watch ads on YouTube now. Well, maybe God. these these I've, they, I've usurped the YouTube ads. The bot curators right now that are listening to Brady and I when we post this on the internet, maybe they'll develop a new product for people that want to retain some privacy, but at the same time love their products. Because I do. Other people have. I feel like that's an option and it's that not, should be they're there. They're not that good. Like DuckDuckGo, for instance. Oh, a lot of people are using that right now. Non-profit, the non-profit decentralized mm -hmm. search engine. But it's garbage. It doesn't work very well. I don't like its interface too it's a, much. That's what I mean. It's Maybe very it's similar to Google. Like there's just a search bar and a logo, and you put whatever you want in there. But you have to be very creative on how you put your search terms to get the results you're actually looking for. I'm telling you, the greatest because search... they don't have this massive AI. Uh, correcting like last night for instance i did a little test on purpose but it, i was also trying to get a piece of information okay. i used my google voice assistant a very powerful ai tool you just talk to your phone it does whatever you want it's kind of like siri everybody knows what siri and amazon echo yep or alexa or whatever it is it used to be echo i think but anyway we all know these voice activated ai systems right yeah. to get what you want well i me and Celine were in, in a, at a D, D game and we we're talking about judas and uh the, the pieces of silver she thought it was like 40 pieces of silver that he took to betray Jesus. And I was like, no, it's 30. I know mm -hmm. this because Lamb of God mm -hmm. wrote a song and mentioned that. I love that you wrote from that. a metal thing. That's yeah, of genius. Course. <laughs> okay. Very, very proud of you. Okay. <laughs> so the Lamb of God song, Omerta, by the way, very awesome song. It's about, you know, Omerta, the, the, the sworn of, uh, basically, I'm not going to talk. I'm not going to betray the mob, the mafia. 
That's what Omerta is. It was a mindset of like, pieces. I will never. But of course, Judas broke Omerta by ratting on Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. He so he mentions grass. that in the song. So I told Celine, no, I'm pretty sure. And she wouldn't, she wouldn't relent. So I Googled it, but I did a little test with my, with my voice act, my voice AI. I said, uh, Judas pieces of silver. That's all I said. Mm -hmm. And Google brought up the right answer. I didn't have to click on a link or anything. It just came up right in that little information box that Google loves to give you. Yeah. And it said 30 pieces of silver. And I'm like, Boom. that was fucking convenient. Boom. It's powerful and amazing. And I love that. Mm -hmm. DuckDuckGo doesn't do that. Yes, if they don't sell my data, but I would have had to spend 20 fucking minutes trying to find the answer on DuckDuckGo. Both, do you see my problem? Do you see I my do, point because here now? Because both Google <laughs> and Amazon search engines, you don't even have to become close to it. You can just approximate yeah. and it guesses And now. it knows and it exactly what you're trying to do. very well. That is a very powerful tool. And again, I said three words and it gave me the exact answer I was looking for. It knew that that's the answer I wanted. And also, as a person who was around with, at the dawn of search engines, okay? Yeah. And had to grow up being, okay, I'm a librarian. I know how to do Boolean and academic searches. You people, this approximation thing is huge. Try doing a academic database and you have to put quotes and ands and ors. And you, people don't know how we had to search. Yeah. Now. It's insane. And so I love approximation searching. I think it's the greatest thing. It saves people so much time. It, I can't, it blows my mind. This is why Google wins the argument every time that they're not a monopoly. They're just the best product. Now, the way that, the one part I have a problem with is if they are using our government and their influence and their largesse to block people from making new products, then yeah. I would have a problem with <clears> And I don't see that they have. Usually they maybe just buy they them. Do, maybe, the, <laughs> maybe the attorney generals see that and they're they're always deeper into that well world. europe is constantly slapping on them about but that stuff as but. a consumer i don't see that they're blocking because every i saw an argument last night every smartphone device comes with more than one app store yet mm -hmm. we all choose to use google's app store because we know they have everything they're gonna help me search easier they're gonna aggregate the apps that are for me based on their data points and it doesn't it make you wish that people would quit bitching about stuff because here's my thing i get very irritated i don't get irritated about a lot but i do get irritated about people complaining about things but continuing to use the product yeah like okay i get having a problem with something and if you can change it cool start working on that but just to complain to complain even though you use it every day makes you kind of hypocritical and i don't want to listen so to you're it. saying the people on twitter who are bitching about how twitter blocked trump is is ironic Beyond irony. And hip basically. It, it, maybe it, goes, it was not hypocrisy. Sorry, I got like a weird hiccup going that's on. That's okay. Uh, well, it was perfect it's not timing. hypocrisy, but yeah, it's weird when someone is on the product bitching about the product. And it's like, then don't use it. And Go are, on. are they... I went and, by the way, I went and got a gab. I made a gab. Did you? I haven't done oh that yet. Oh my God, man. Well, I, I don't it. know if it's the influx of users or if it's just a shitty app, but it fucking does not function. Well, and I have a huge problem. Like, you know, the purging of Parler. Yeah. Which is parlay because it took too many years Amazon of Amazon blocking their, basically taking them off their servers. If I you guys don't know, um, one of Amazon's biggest business ventures is, is not Amazon Store. It's not all the other things they do. It's Amazon Web Services. Yep. This is what allowed them to get so big mm -hmm. was they had the capital to build huge server farms and they will host your website on their servers. Well, now, because of that, if they don't like your website, they, can just cut you they have every right to just say, I don't want you on my servers. Go it's find a, a different server. And you can do that. Mm -hmm. I so have a huge problem. Can't bitch about it. It's their right. I have a huge problem don't with use Amazon a lack Web of services. equity. Equity, And you do that by moving your money and yourself off from where places that are existing. What I mean yeah. by that is with the parlor thing, a lot more insurgency, verbal insurgency happens on Facebook than it probably, or the equal amount than it did on parlor. Okay. Mm -hmm. Like. And Twitter and other places. You can't catch it all. 
You're not, it's not it's like impossible. the Pokemon of social media. Yeah. You can't catch all dis- you know insurgent talk. Exactly. So to cut one off without addressing the others really bothered me. Yeah. And because I just don't use something if I don't like it. It's it's. I think it's all. It's a publicity thing. I think it is. They know that they're not going to catch it all, but what they want to do is is look like from the public point of view that they they're something. they're trying to do something about it. Also it also feels like eliminating competition. They didn't ask us though. They just were like, "Oh no, well, public opinion, we're going to have to do this." Well, people lost their like minds over that. Da, da, da. We got Do they it. actually care? No, they're they're looking for their their bottom end here, guys. They don't care about you. They Twitter does want not their care about money. you. Facebook That's what does they not do. care about you. Here's uh, a little bit of a conspiracy theory, I guess. Here. I got, do. I had a thought yesterday. Okay, too. I like Another thoughts. thought yesterday. Um, Jack Dorsey, the CEO of Twitter, kind of came out and was basically saying uh, he was talking about how yes, they blocked Donald Trump and and uh, and they was you know addressing this. Everybody's having an issue with this, so he had to come out and address it. Right? Well, he's mm-hmm. the front man, so who else better than Jack Dorsey to go on Twitter and talk about this? But he was also saying a couple days ago that. He wants to make an alternative to Twitter. So here's what I'm seeing. There are alternatives. Okay, you guys need to realize CEOs do not run the company. Nope. A board of directors typically runs the company, and even behind them, there's a bigger shareholder, shareholder thing. On the com- yeah. So, yes, Jack Dorsey is the front man, the CEO. He signs some papers and makes things literally happen, but he doesn't make all of the decisions driving those forces, okay? He just gets the actual operations done, whatever the board of directors decides. So what I'm seeing now is this disconnect between Dorsey and the actual company of Twitter itself as a whole. I think he sees this is kind of going into the realm of bad. Mm-hmm. So I want to create an alternative to Twitter where we can't block anybody. So he might take his market share or his shares and yeah. go do something new. Because guess what? What's coming. Jack Dorsey is expendable. Yeah, they can is. replace him with a different CEO. It's not... It's cut and dry. Companies do it all the damn time. Oh, see, they will still operate cool. exactly the same. And but maybe Jack Dorsey doesn't want to be a part of it anymore, and he can go start his own thing. I'm curious to see what happens, sir. Yeah, but again, he'll still be subject to other boards of directors unless he does a nonprofit where he is the head also, poncho guy. Same yeah. with Zuckerberg. Zuckerberg is absolutely replaceable. Yep. Bill Gates at one point was absolutely replaceable. He's not even in there anymore. What we need to look at is the people behind the curtain. They're not ever in the public point of view, but you're you can the find people them. who are really running Twitter, the people who are really running these companies. Like Google. Google isn't even Google. The parent company of Google, the actual overarching business Alphabet. is Alphabet Inc. Alphabet Incorporated. And there's a lot of subsidiaries. And there's a lot of subsidiaries. Lot. They run. They have their fingers in a lot of pies. But Google itself is just part of it. A very big part of it, but it's a part of Alphabet. And the front man of Google is replaceable too. Is they there... can always replace him and still operate exactly the same. Well, I think you hit on a good point. Everybody's replaceable. Everybody's that's the thing. replaceable. The ideas are what mm-hmm. hold the power. Well, and I think that's something that we're seeing and people need to be cognizant of is when something bad or is perceived as bad happens, there has to be a knee-jerk reaction by these companies now to show that they're doing something, okay? They don't care, I don't think, so much. I can't say the individual people don't. I just say, as a whole, a company is not a living entity. Exactly. It exists to make money Although, for Although, in, in terms of the government, yes. Well, okay, you're LLCs a, you're technically and corporations a living entity. Are, are, yeah. I have one of those. But I'm corporations about, are technically created metaphysically, as Metaphysically, they're not but living Yeah, metaphysically, entities. yeah. Sorry. And so, that thing does not care 
if people's feelings are hurt, but they do care if their shareholders are not correctly compensated compensated with improving dividends all the time. Exactly. So it really all comes down to that dividend. It's a knee-jerk reactionary thing, and I, I don't <clears throat> like how we're going where if something happens, we have to just cut the head off of it right away. Mm-hmm. Instead of taking some time, figuring out what actually happened, making some policies to make sure that this bad thing doesn't happen mm-hmm. again. We're not doing that now. There's no rational behavior there. It's just Gina no. Carano said something I don't like. Kill her! You Basically, know. off with her head. It's well, a witch it, hunt. And then it looks like, oh, we're doing something. It's a witch in the hunt. Where, did this, where did this witch hunt mentality come from that drives cancel culture and drives all this shit? Well, people always say it's a lack that's of really education in America. To. And it's like, well, okay. No, you can blame it on that all you I want. I get tired of hearing that. Nobody's fixing the education system either, though. I don't see that happening. No. You guys want to blame it on this, but I don't see anybody calling their lawmakers going, hey, can we, can we actually give the schools more money or here's a policy we can make in schools to improve that this doesn't happen. No, guys, it's not the fucking educational system. It's us. Well, and you know what it is? It's not putting out effort. It's Mm -hmm. so much easier to complain on Twitter or Google Mm -hmm. or Parler than it is to actually put some effort out. I think I just made a big point with the whole CEO thing. Okay. It's that you can reflect all of what I just said into government. It seems like a majority of people in America just think that oh the president is just this all-powerful entity and he can get shit done guess what we are the shareholders of america guys whether we get dividends or not if we're not happy we are the ones that drive things to happen at least that's what our founding fathers intended when they Mm -hmm. created this form of government so we can't rely on fucking joe biden or president trump Almost not President Trump. Almost not, yeah. He's got T minus <laughs> three days, three days sir. <laughs> I'll remember our last T minus episode. That's kind of what this yeah, is. T minus this... three fucking days yeah. till the shift of power happens again. But anyway, my point is, is like, guys, we can't rely on our fucking government leadership to make these changes because guess what? We're the fucking shareholders. They're beholden to us. We have to put pressure on them. So we, that's the thing is like, we're not driving our country anymore. We've lost control. We've let the, we let we've let the CEO take the wheel. Well, we've let advertisers. Think when about it. it. Lobbyists are basically like advertisers that try to woo the people that's in charge literally of us what that lobbying we is, install yeah. to do, make decisions for us. Yeah. I am to the point with our government now, I feel like the best thing that could have been done after a big insurrection over the top day is all of them came out and said, you know what? We have failed you via tribalism. As a, as a group, a, a governing group, we're all going to quit. Yep. And we're going to let you put new people in that are going to represent you. I, I think everyone needs to go. Yeah. And I mean all of you. I know that there are probably some individual ones of you in Congress that are not horrible like some people. Good one. But matter. I think that is, I think like a that. clean slate is best for humanity in the sense that we have got to get over our tribalism. It's killing us. Yeah. It's like, we all know it. It's the same yeah. thing that's like Biden's little unity speech and then he goes and does the opposite of unity. Yeah. It's, in every step of the way he's done this it's like you guys well it's it's we're there being, is no we're being unity. fucking these are all charlatans is it because our ideals have split so greatly between the left and the right that we can no longer find common ground because everyone can I find think so, common yeah. ground well it's because what's being represented as the left and the right are the fringes yeah and the fringes are getting that's to make what the we're seeing on tv and, and reading in newspapers and magazines and seeing on the social media sites is the fringes come up to the surface but we're not all of the in between and the nuance. I'm tired of the fringe driving the buried, narrative. Yeah. It's driving me nuts. That part is causing me angst because it's like you know what? Most people are not that way. We need a fringe middle ground to counteract the fringe left and the fringe right. I would love 
You know, I would love if all this independence, because you're not a part of a registered political party, are you? Fuck, I'm not even, either. I don't even vote because I just don't like well, the system. I don't like the system. This election really proved to me In fact, that I don't vote. Sort of, I don't well, think I'm, voted, but... I don't think I'm contributing to the system, so why should I pay taxes to it? But the, that's a whole other conversation. This election has proved to me, without a shadow of a doubt, that voting is, unfortunately, on a national level, a waste of time. Yeah. And so now I have to figure out, well, what do we do? You know, my I have some friends who are anarchists and not in the Antifa way, but actual real anarchists who believe that anything that is an act of violence against another person, which also includes voting, is not moral. And oh. I've tried to consider, you know, Quakers <clears throat> in this way. There's a lot of, we have a close yeah. friend who ascribes to this. And it's, it's an interesting school of thought. If you can take yourself out of your biases, especially if you're more nationalistic That's inclined, part, though, isn't it? or if you're communistically inclined, it's really hard to consider this school of thought, but it's good to kind of go down that rabbit hole and just kind of discover the idea of acting as a, or voting as an act of violence towards others. I, I've never, though? well, in a, you, in can that, see, you can make that argument. It's in a very that school clear of thought there, yeah. and I don't know. I, and see, I'm okay saying I don't I know. I can see where that argument comes from though, too, because it kind of is, if, if we're a divided nation, which we are, yep. clearly. Then yes, voting one side is an act, technically an act of violence against the other because you're like, I don't want you to have your ideas represented and recognized. Well, I want my ideas represented and recognized, so we're voting this way. I thought it. Well, and I've thought about this because it's lot. always clear. It's you guys notice how the last few elections we've had is just very close. It's always very close. So it means ideologically <clears throat> right in half. Maybe it doesn't represent everybody in America, but at least the people who voted are extremely. Divided right in the middle, almost. It's always like very close. And so you couple kind of percent. have to swing a little bit away. There's a. I think yeah. most people are so, in the middle. But there's and they have to always swing right. there's always a, a, an an entire what did, what did Eric Weinstein call it a a minority a vast minority yes. meaning it, like fifty one percent versus fifty percent a yeah. vast minority barely minority yeah of people who are going to be basically fucked. Well, At I, least in their mind. I mean, they, it's always blown out of proportion. To use a very How fucked really are we if we have a Democrat versus a Republican? It's the same it's, thing. It, it all operates on the same capacity. It doesn't matter. To use a very contentious issue to, to ex- illustrate this, abortion. Mm-hmm. Everybody has an opinion about it. Oh, fuck everybody um, has an opinion for sure. But and to use the coercion, say that you are va- like super anti-abortion and it's your own reasons, but you're super that way. Mm-hmm. Then you have a politician who gets to make decisions for you and you are coercively taxed to finance something that you were morally against. Yes. That's force. That is true. And so I uh, that's just using and and yes, I have that's my own good point. I have my own opinions about abortion. Everybody yeah, does. It, I think it's a personal irrelevant. private thing. Yeah, that's not even what I'm talking about. I'm talking about illustrating the point of the mechanics of, of it are irrelevant. When you vote for someone who forces someone through their actions to do something they're morally opposed to. It's yes. it's an interesting thing to think about. I think more people need to think about it. Yeah, that's true. I, it's really quite... That's kind of how it is, though. It huh? really is. And so I think a lot of it can be alleviated with taxation being done away with. I wish there was another way to fund things that we all um, use without see. coercive theft of people's Recently, in, in recent decades, we've seen the rise of what's called crowdfunding. I do like that. It is the exact same concept of how taxation was intended, which is we... Whoever wants to invest in this thing agrees, I'm going to pay this much money because I think it's a good idea. Yep. Voluntarism. Not getting fucking your literal money robbed from you without a choice and threatened to be put in a cage if you don't pay it. 
Well, most people in the blockchain well, that's are very... That's how they took down Al Capone, by They're the way. very into voluntarism, <laughs> which I need to learn more about, but it's that you volunteer... Well, think about it. We all like roads. Uh-huh. Wouldn't it make more sense that there was an entity that we voluntarily gave 15% of our income to or 10% or whatever it is to have roads or public services? Is, it would it, probably work better because they would be directly responsible to the people that gave the money voluntarily. That is what I believe libertarians believe in. Yeah, and... It doesn't have to be an ism, but there is an ism for it. Is what there I'm is. trying to say It's like, um, why are people let afraid the, of new allow ideas? the allow the free market to decide? Yes, to do these kinds of things, and the government just kind of like is there to govern certain things. Well, I but I, it's supposed to be very small. It is. In fact, our to founding fathers were really generally libertarian when they wrote these documents to you know form the government. Warners? They had the a very libertarian point of view on it. it was like we it was can't supposed to be can't tiny. let the government get too big. We don't want bureaucracy, stuff like that. It Basically, was everything to preserve and protect our everything rights, we not... are now is is a, almost the antithesis to how we started. It is diametrically it's inter- opposed. It's very interesting. There are some things still there that is like I'm really glad we still have freedom of speech and all this other stuff, but our government has definitely gotten too big. They've crossed boundaries that they shouldn't have throughout the years. There's a lot of things. It happens with every empire, though. Yeah. I would like to, as a species, it learn to get around it. Like, if you go back through history, this happens every single time an empire has a fluency. Mm-hmm. Every time. You know, you start in a certain way with ideology. And there's different variations because all cultures are different. But you eventually get to that bloated affluency where they take treasury and give it to the people to pacify them. And then you fall from within. Mm-hmm. It's Rome is a very good example. So yeah. what can we do now? We all we have, go to the, the Rome for a good example. We always do. And so that's recent. the reason. You know, well, and that's why what can we do? We have the collected knowledge of humanity at our fingertips. Could we not figure out a way that we could sort of all agree to to try something different? Mm-hmm. There's got to be a form of governance that. Yeah, it's called basically the free market. I know, but like you said, if if we let's just pretend we didn't have taxes, okay? But we fucking do need roads. We can all agree we need roads. Yes, we can. So we at least enough investors would go. We need. I have the money to spare to put into roads, and a lot of us would go donate. If I had the choice, I'd donate a dollar. Also, if it's all I had, I could go. Here's a dollar. But if we all fucking donated a dollar to roads. That's a hell of a lot cheaper than taxes, and we can get the roads done, and the government wouldn't run the road building. And also, how many of you right now are paying fifteen ninety nine a month for influence uh, for Netflix? That's what I'm saying. Yeah, there we all agree. We all want to watch movies, so we pay fifteen dollars to watch fucking movies. Well, and so the subscription the based economy might be a really cool thing. Like, I oh, subscription based, yeah. Like, where as long we- as it's not forced. Well, and, it would be a great thing. Well, and I don't think it should be forced. No. You know, there are people out but there that want now. to live without power and go ahead on her. But mm-hmm. then don't whine to me about it. I'm tired yeah. of the whining thing. Like, ah, that's true. God, the whining. <laughs> I, but and, you're bringing up some good points, though. Well, they're just things to think about. And you know what's funny, guys, is I'm not ascribing to any one of these as I believe. God, this we're is just the throwing ideas out there. It, this is part of something that I think is missing in the places. You have no safe space to discuss ideas because you're searching for an answer. It's like you when you pop up and say, when I talked about abortion, automatically some social justice warrior will get on there and take what I said out of context to further their narrative and to shut down free Most thought likely, instead yeah. of... Instead of just talking about things. Yeah. I'm open to changing my mind on pretty much everything. I'm not... but And I'm wrong a lot. But I also I'm open to growth. And yeah. I think a lot of us aren't anymore. Well, we can't grow if we don't throw these ideas out there we at least and discuss, discuss them. them. And that's what we're doing right here on this podcast. And I hope you guys are taking something from this. Me too. I mean, and I wish we could literally all have this discussion together. Oh, we'd love but your it, input. It, unfortunately, the room isn't big enough, unfortunately. Well, so. we need a forum. But really, though, like, we gotta we got to figure these ideas out. Because I like the th- I like the very thought of not being taxed, 
But I would willingly put some money into the things I agree with, like... Defense. Defense, I'm... and we have to have a military force. It's just unfortunate that's the way the world is. I also want accountability in defense. Yeah. I don't want to pay $22 for a styrofoam plate. Like, <laughs> I don't... That's the thing. We don't ever get to vote on the source of the, the plates the government uses, do we? Mm -mm. They just go, we need plates, we're going to buy the plates. They decide how much they pay for the plates. We don't have any input on that at all. No. The... Some fucking dude... I don't even know if he went to college. I'm sure he went to college, decides that. And we don't know if he has our best interests and in heart. And it's usually These uncle's cousin's people. sister's brother's guy that yeah. works for Halliburton as a lobbyist. Like you, Probably, you, yeah. You, they're you like, don't... hey, I got a friend who sells these paper plates. And so I'm going to give him the money. It's and all I... fucking handshake politics. And I'm tired of pandering to the, special company groups, of special group interest groups mm -hmm. to get what you want. I hate it. I think it's the most gross There's thing no in the world around... to use groups. I don't groups. think there's any way around it. Well, I'm talking about like I using think no matter groups to what... disenfranchise people as special golden star things to get your own way. It's like that is the most horrible thing I've ever heard. You don't care about those groups. That's ridiculous. I just, oh, it drives me nuts. But that's human nature, really. Well, I think it really horrible. stems from human nature. I just think we need to open schools of philosophy again. Our colleges have gotten so far away from what they're actually. The only philosophy are. I think getting pushed in college is this pseudo intellectual Marxism. I hate it. And I really so think that's much. true. And I, you can call me what you want or say what you want, but that's what I've seen. That's the results I see coming out of universities is every fucking buddy who's gone to college seems to be a goddamn Marxist now. Well, I'm and, sorry. And it's a failed ideology. So It like, is, but it's being might... pushed through the universities through these weird shadow donors from foreign entities who want to unfortunately spread that idea through America to destabilize us. And my there, thing... There's a paper trail for that. There so is. it isn't it's just a conspiracy, conspiracy theory. You can see it. It's very cut and goddamn dry. And the problem with people who ascribe to Marxism is they want to stamp out it. other thought. And it's like, even if there are good things in Marxism to consider or to apply in other aspects mm -hmm. of human thought, when you're stamping out other thought, that means you are not open-minded. That is not the point of education. And mm -hmm. we need to combat it. And how do you do that? Yeah. I think well, we know, combat it with about hope. 20 years ago, Alex Jones warned us that these universities were going to become indoctrination centers. And look what's fucking happened, guys. They really are. I'm not sitting here trying to glorify Alex Jones, but I'm just saying whatever source of information he got that idea from was correct. Because uh, that's exactly stuff, what's happening. It's read, just in, you're being indoctrinated now instead of educated. Well, and that colleges have become the center of censorship really bothers me. You're supposed to be the center of challenging ideals and, and discovery. And instead, it's like you will toe the line. Yes. And I'm all, but I'm um, giving you thousands so of dollars. So Eric Weinstein's brother, Bert, I hope we're pronouncing his name. Or is it Weinstein, Weinstein, Weinstein? Weinstein. He's probably corrected. We're a terrible fan Anyway, of um, yeah. if you guys want a good deeper look into that, uh, Eric Weinstein's brother... Uh, Bert did a, a fantastic episode on Joe Rogan, uh, and he talked about basically the how academia has been poisoned. It really has. It makes me really and sad. And it's very eye-opening, and I recommend everybody. And he is a he was a professor at the Evergreen University when they had this whole racism thing. That oh, they, you're talking they about They basically Washington? ran him out of the fucking school with a with a goddamn mob because of this like uh thing here i think i've talked about this before but yeah uh, it like got ran out by a mob of fucking angry black people for somehow being racist when he wasn't actually being racist it was just this weird thing but then he's been on this like kick late about like how academia has been poisoned and there's been other people other voices for this as well but they're not as well heard as bert because he was involved in like a controversy 
So he's a little bit louder than the rest. Maybe we need to start the school of hypothesism. I mean, everybody can start a college. If Jerry Falwell can have a college, I think I True. should be able to have a college. Because I've got to hire people for that. Hey, guys, can we have Somebody any money? Be a I just want, you know how in the old can days of the money, ancients, everybody? they had schools of philosophy, <laughs> like where people discussed ideas? I feel like we need a place. I feel like it needs yeah. to happen that people need to discuss things more. I think, generally speaking, the ancient philosophers and stuff, that was all done anti-establishment it they was. were all out on the street they met in a porch that's yeah. literally what um they're all sitting under means. A, they were sitting under a tree thinking and they came up with an idea and then they, and they started shouting it to everybody and, and then whether it was accepted things. or not well people books would listen written. to them and study under them and then yeah. they would go well and they wrote a lot some yeah. of them did a lot of them wrote it down and maybe that's what we're doing write. maybe instead of meeting at the porch we're sitting on a farm in north idaho i don't know yeah, that's well, kind of yeah but I'm, my point is i don't think generally speaking philosophy comes out of establishments or no, institutions they comes to, out of these people who aren't part of that and you went to study with a great thinker it doesn't have to be an institution it's that exactly and providing and fostering an atmosphere that that elicits thinking like i feel college is what, smothering the, it wasn't the stoicism guy like didn't he purposely go homeless and that well stoa is a porch they met at a porch a porch and it arrived it, it evolved out of a bunch of different people but there's epictetus and mm. you know i've been doing a lot of reading about it but a lot of the great thinkers in fact there was an interesting school of thought because there people need to go back in time because you know what there's that whole ecclesiastics thing there's nothing new under the sun human thought how we think hasn't evolved not it's necessarily still, no. maybe micro so but really, we haven't. We still approach things that same pattern-based way. How does this fit in the box? Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot, just because it was ancient times and they didn't have the same words and thinking in the Our way our brains we, are still operating on the same. We mechanics. still yes, thank you. You got it. And that's kind of where philosophy stems from. Is like we're trying to under, understand the mechanics of, when of I wrote that human down capacity. Um, and so it's not going to change much. There's different I, there's different schools of thought. Well, yeah, the Epicureans and some other people, they, they emphasize pleasure. The Stoics, Cynics, and Peripatetics, and they you have emphasize nihilism virtue. And Academic, academics was metaphysics. Skeptics was human knowledge. So they, they all kind of touched, I think, personally, this was my own thing. I think it emphasizes all the things. Yeah. I don't think it's just one sort of thing you should emphasize. I think you should consider all of it. There's so much, though. Well, That's there is. Problem. And I think that you, it'll it's a life, that, you know, yeah. But what are we doing on this podcast but philosophizing in a way? Well, we're examining things. Yeah. That is the whole point of hypothesis. We're examining things and trying to figure out the capacity of human existence. Because you it's and I have impressions about things about. based upon our experience. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, let's investigate this a little bit more. And yeah. you know what? We we don't take the podcast so, and go into a scripted deep look at things, but we do kind of comb over it so exactly. that we can get new insights. And I have gotten a lot of new insights. So in a sense, hypothesism... It's a philosophy. It's kind of intended to create to create philosophers in a sense. It's I think the, it it's is. The, it's the mechanics of philosophy. Because kind of. what is philosophy if not an investigation? And maybe into it's not why perfect yet. It's it's not perfect yet. But that's kind of the we're just which again I've said this before. We're trying to create a tool set. And also, I am not an uppity person. I I want no. people to see the raw me as far as I am fallible. And I just want to learn things. And if that is something I need to be chastised for, please chastise me. I'll consider it, but then I'm going to move on. Yeah. You know what? Because I know in my core, I'm not a mean-spirited person who hates people. I don't hate anybody. 
I don't either. I've never read really, it. It sounds couple... cheesy, but like, come on. No, guys. I really Love don't. is so much powerful than anything else. I'll be honest. There's a couple people on this planet that I truly despise because of how they've treated others. Not even me. Mm-hmm. But to truly hate someone means you want them to not exist at all. Exactly. And that's, I don't That's know. what I learned back in, way back in the days. Like, to hate is to want them dead or not existent. And I've never disliked someone that and much. That's a very powerful negative force. Um, so I'm getting into Q Shaman Land again here with the negative the positive th- shit, but that's just how <laughs> the mechanics of reality works. There's Donald negative Sutherland. and there's positive. Okay, however there. you want to, however you want to acknowledge that negative and positive works. That's just the way we've described it. There's an old movie called Kelly's Heroes. It's got Clint Eastwood and Donald Sutherland in it, and it's this World War II bank heist. Fantastic movie because it was made in the 70s. So try to think of a bunch of hippies making a 70s World War II heist. Greatest <laughs> movie ever. Has some awesome music. But anyways, Donald yes. Sutherland is a hippie tank driver, and oh. he's like. He's always with those negative waves, Moriarty. That's what yeah, he always yeah, says. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, you got to think those positive, beautiful waves, man. Yeah. And so... It doesn't that... hurt, though. No, and honestly, the positive waves make good things happen in that movie. I worked at this call center. Oh. Uh, we were... Talk about negative waves. We were, we were helping people do their application for Medicaid when Obamacare first happened. Ooh. And what, one of the most powerful things they taught us, though, and I'm sure other call centers have used this as well, but it's... You can force happiness. I, I use this on my kids all the time. All you have to do is fake a smile. Yep. But the very act of that triggers pathways in your brain to create the actual emotion behind smiling. Yep. It's a trigger. And the tone. Yeah. Tones are a big deal. And it comes across on the phone, which is why they were teaching. I'm, I'm just framing why they taught us at the call center. So if you're forcing a smile on the phone, <laughs> naturally you're going to sound more upbeat, more happy, more positive. But... A, a positive side effect of that is you also feel that way. Because you have to engage those yeah, muscles. Which, because yeah. even if you're faking it, you're still doing it. And that's Ooh. the very act of that happens. That you get happier fake just by faking it. a smile. And sometimes maybe that's all we need to do is fake a fucking smile. Well. And, and even fake happiness. Because then it triggers actual happiness in your brain. At least every, temporarily. I use this on my kids all the time. It works. It works. I've thought when they, when they, The problem is, here's what I've noticed okay. when trying this with my children. And, and I've seen this in real life with adults, too. When you tell people that faking a smile makes you happy, they reject the very idea of wanting to be happy. Mm. They don't even want to. So they won't even do the smile. My kids do this all the time. I'm like, put a smile on your face. I know it's counterintuitive to how you feel, but it will change how you feel. I don't want to smile. I'm not going to do it. I don't yeah. want to smile. And that's what I've seen in, in adults, too. Maybe well, it's something that needs to be practiced, at least then. Because if you're going to just reject it... If you practice it and it works, you'll realize, oh, you know what? Though you just hit on everything is all about manipulation. Mm -hmm. Whether it's conscious manipulation on your own front or someone else doing it to you, and I think humans have this built-in thing when someone coerces you to do something. Some people will go along with it, but you still resent it, whether it's externally or internally. Yeah. So how about? That whole put a smile on your face, a lot of times it's the leading by smiling yourself is a big deal. And like you said, when you, at the call center, you're doing it to get paid, so you have motivation to do it, right? Mm-hmm. Well, then that bleeds through the phone line, because like you said, you're going to elicit a tone change when you're smiling and all that stuff. And then that yeah. person, it's infectious. Because smiling and happiness, it is tends to be pretty infectious. It is, I yes. play with it a lot at the library, because I get so much more positive feedback when I go out of my way to just not be a jerk. Yeah. And in America, you know, for some good reason, it feels to be nice. To be I know. Why are people so mean? I know it's easy to be mean and Not get into funny. negative, the negative realm. And for whatever reason, we think that feels good because it's normal or something. But 
do you guys, it feels really good to be nice. It Leah, feels very good to be charitable. We've all been there. Let me go on a rant right here, Brady. Go ahead. I'm going to let you take over. The American consumer has some sort of mentality that they are always right and they should just be this demanding piece of crap. And I know, the reason yeah, I know this. Have we been conditioned for that? I went, <laughs> go ahead, just though, went on vacation rant. and everywhere I went, I went out of my way. These poor kids, because most of them are young people and service worker. And I mean, both in Nevada and Arizona, I went out of my way to just be nice and ask how they were doing. Because I just like to find out. People oh yeah, doing. like what's what's this name that was doing the floors you were talking yes, about at the airport? Yes, that guy, just all of them. And DeMarcus, this wonderful DeMarcus, little cashier. Yes. All of these people. I went out of my way to be nice to them. And you know what happened? Their entire persona changed. That someone actually gave a shit about them. Like, how are you doing? Do you got anything fun planned this weekend what's going you know not not creepy but just nice mm-hmm. i actually genuinely meant it their whole persona changed because you know what the people before them ignored them or assholes to them people after them same thing the vast majority of people are not nice to retail workers that's true i watched it and it makes me we've so all angry seen it. we've all we've all even been mean i'm sure at one point well god damn it you fucking made my order wrong at mcdonald's or and you know what's funny is how hard would it be to just go back to the person and say hey you know what i ordered this and nine times out of ten they'll be like oh my god i'll fix it for you and here's this mm-hmm. i i go out of my way to do that all the time because i've been in the service industry well so i have and that's it a tendency to empathize with them i was at a wendy's even if i don't want to empathize with them it's like ptsd in a way it triggers if i if i'm nice to them i'm like i i know that it's the golden rule. It really boils down yeah, to the golden rule. Does. Treat other people how you want to be treated. And because I've been treated badly in the service I industry, treat I don't want them to feel that way. And automatically, I know that's how I'm going to make them feel if I'm mean. Well, like, because I've been there. It's been happened to me before. In, in, in Arizona, we were waiting for our grandma to get her pails for her dog, okay? And so we had just been out for walking in the desert, and we're thirsty. So we just went into Wendy's to get waters, right? And, um, yeah. and drinks. And I'm in there, and there's this elderly, elderly black gentleman's running the register, and he's he found out. I was like, well, I'm going to pay for the cups because I'll just get drinks. I don't want to inconvenience this guy and stuff because the other people I were with are like, oh, we'll just get water, and then you won't have to pay for it. And I was like, nah, I don't want to do that to that guy. <laughs> so anyways, long story short, that dude, I don't know why he liked us. He gave us all of it free. And I'm like, sir, I don't mind paying for you. Like, what's up? And then... He comes back 10 minutes later. He's like, I don't know why I like you guys so much, but he gave us free frosty keychains for the year. He just Ooh, kept giving us stuff, right? That's and he, pretty cool. He also, five minutes later, gave us free frosties. So I don't know Heck why yeah. this guy was so nice, but in the end, we left him money because we loved him so much. But the thing was, is he went out of his way to be nice because I think we were being, like, it was one of those serendipitous moments. You know okay, what I mean? Yeah. Like, because we were, pull- I sometimes feel like people don't realize not every time you're nice are people going to be nice to you. I'm not a Pollyanna. But sometimes you have these really cool moments where it's like there's this mutual exchange of good feelings. Yeah. And it's not woo. It's just That's treating funny. people with respect. Um, lately, I've been really trying to drive it, drive the point home with my daughters that um, the kill them with kindness mm. philosophy. Oh, yeah. And they're in public like, school. It's because hard. like recently, you know, my they've just been getting little bickering fights and all this crap. And I'm just like. Instead of reacting with violence to your sister when she's being a freaking, when she's being mean, kill her with kindness, I keep telling her. Mm-hmm. I just keep trying to just repeat this to them. and Misdirect. Repeat this to them. Kill Misdirect. them with kindness. I'm like, trust me, everything will be way better if someone's being mean to you, but all you do is be nice to them. You will completely cancel out their meanness and they will actually realize it's futile and either leave you alone or start being nice to you. Trust me. And I, I've I've also practiced that in my life and have seen it personally. It's not always easy when you get this like visceral reaction to something. It's not easy to cancel that out in your own mind and then be nice. 
But it's something you do have to practice. That's why I'm trying to really drive Teach it home with them. And yeah. your attitude is literally one Teach of the only things you can control. Yeah. But it's... nobody taught me that when I was young. No, you probably learned it through experience. It, I have, like, through uh, through lots of hard... The school of hard knocks, man. Oh, yeah. And you could drive whatever point you want home to children. But they're always going to still learn through the school of hard knocks. Because they still have to apply those. But if they at least have been told what to do, they might at least consider trying that. When well, it comes time. And so. also they're finding out that your biology but they're and what do is what they how do. you are brought up, what happens to you in your childhood is a yeah. huge predicator of how you're going to conduct yourself as an exactly. older person. But that doesn't mean you're stuck and doomed to that. You can always change. It's just that that is a huge factor in how you turn out as a human. I think we need more simulators. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the universe is a simulator, but we need more simulators within it. Because if my daughter had more opportunities to practice killing with kindness... And then be yeah. able to see the results of that, whether I'm right or wrong, she'll learn a little bit more powerfully than in the real world, in the school of hard knocks, doing it. And then she either forgets, she doesn't have enough opportunities to practice. Let's just put it that well, way. Well, simulators are a chance to learn without the actual real consequence. Exactly. Like, life, you Video have the actual Video games are amazing for this, by I the way. I think that's why they're so popular, because you get to, it's one, the escapism yeah. and fantasy. But On Grand Theft Auto, I, I can go beat a hooker to death. I don't ever have to do it in real life. But I know for a fact it's a simulation. I know for a fact there's no real consequences. And I know for a fact I'm not... It's nobody's getting hurt. And it's... I know it's a little weird to even simulate that on a video game. And maybe it's not even that fun. That's a psychological discussion for some other episode. That's a whole other episode. But my point is, is like... Simulators have no actual physical ramifications, hopefully. But they can teach. Oh, look at Farm Simulator. People love that thing. Or I don't know why that's so fun. Yeah, I, okay, thing. yeah. Lately, I've been. I don't know why. Maybe it's just because my order. need for order and, and order. organization. Yeah. But like, I've been watching a city planner uh, from like Michigan or something. I can't remember where he said he was from. Play a uh, a city planning game called City Skylines. It's basically a, it's like Sim City, but a little bit more in depth. Um, plan your own and city. I don't know why I've been so like it's became struck me as extremely interesting for no reason to watch a professional do this. It's this the 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 artificial order of things that he's creating, and it's like very satisfying to me. So yeah, it's well, but he, cousin, it's a simulator. Yeah. My like, cousin's a truck driver and drove truck, but now he's on yeah. dad detail. But he still plays truck driving simulator. It's not yeah. even playing. It. He does, and it's funny because he's actually literally driven these places in real life. But he still loves to do the simulator. Oh, I've seen. I actually was watching that game a couple times too. Yeah, he loves. I, that wa- game. I wanted to watch him drive through uh, my hometown here in Idaho or in Spokane. And it's very inaccurate on the game, well, but it's kind of cool seeing little, little similarities of it. Yeah, you know, well, space trucker, yeah, space trucker. Or like I watched the the new Microsoft Flight Simulator game, oh. where they took the entire Bing maps, mm-hmm. and that's the world you're flying around in in the flight simulators. So I would you're like... literally it's a one to one scale of the entire planet as accurately as they can portray it oh, on that. a video game. And you're flying an airplane. So I watched a guy for like two hours fly over Spokane, where I'm from. So it's like. It, it, not that fun an idea, but to do it is just like, hey, I recognize that. That's cool. Hey, look at that. I, I guess like... I waste a lot of time, don't I? No. Let's just put it that way. As I mean, a... really, that's what sort it of boils down to. But at the same time, it's like, as a, as these a are short... just simulators. Like, I, if you want to crash the plane. You can crash it. 
on the simulator, no one's getting hurt. That's the thing. It takes out the moral component yeah. of it. Because as a short person with bad eyes, I would love a fully immersive F-35 simulator. I would that love... That would be fun. I would dig it so much. I'd fantasize about immersive simulator. Oh, I love immersive. We I all love... want to go into the Matrix. It's very clear. Yeah, I'm fine This is why that. the simulation theory even came about. Because it seems like we all want to live in a simulator instead of real life. Because real life results suck sometimes, and simulated results you can manipulate them however you want to see how to get the right result. And I love and that's real the life. Whole thing. Don't get me wrong; it's just yes, it takes the consequence out of it. It does. I don't ever want to hurt people. Yeah. I, I, I want to. I want to be able to experiment with different things and and try to tailor the result that I want and see how what it takes to get there. And see if you're and then you can apply to that it. to your real life. We have. Uh, we have a slightly operative tool for this called our imagination, we and it's but it's inaccurate. We don't have enough data points. It also as is a not as immersive. Would. Like if you live completely really, inside no, your not. own brain, you've got some problems, yeah. and, and, and it's nowhere near the same. No, you you, you can artificially touch... create the qualia in simulation with haptic feedback and all these other things that oh. actually trigger the same, at least similar neural pathways to the actual feeling of it. This, we've seen this with VR. There's, well, there's, they're experimenting with these things. Did you see the things. new game controller that um, can? It's going to read the impulses of your fingers before you even touch the thing. I mean, yeah. we're getting closer to fully yeah, there's immersive. This, there's this drone you can buy for like thirty dollars on Amazon that you literally think, and it reads some kind of weird output vibration that your brain does. I don't understand it necessarily. Ooh, there's a lot of deep neuroscience behind it, but on it's a toy for God's sakes. All of this. Deep neural science and research they had to do, and a $30 drone came from it. It's kind of funny. Well, and that's what's weird about it is I think sometimes they desensitize a populace with toys. Yeah. Think about how- toys are simulators. Like, well, like robots. When I was a kid, robot toys were a big deal. Yeah. And then robots kind of got out of the public eye for a while, and now all of a sudden they're just everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't... Uh, toys are... I've always heard toys are good for kids because the kids get to simulate things. They practice things and figure out stuff and... You know what I mean? Well, it and teaches I like you like motor functions and all this other stuff. Life so. is a simulation with real life co- with consequences. It's like we always want to yeah. archive everything and we always want to simulate things for better information for our archives maybe. Well, I'm looking forward to the combination of Ready Player mm-hmm. One and The Matrix as long as it's not... As long as it's voluntary. And that's mm-hmm. the thing. I want things to be voluntary. You know what... Uh, you know how these AI... AIs are playing these games like chess. Yeah. Chess AI that beat the world master or the Go, Alpha Go that beat the world master of Go. Yep. All they do is simulate. That's how they work. Mm -hmm. They simulate thousands and thousands of times to learn to from those results without actually, you know, but they're actually playing the game against itself. Yep. But it's the same reason why we like to simulate things. We created AI. It's we based on the to, model of our brains. Yeah, we it's love just can to do get, more calculations. We sometimes. love to get the most accurate results, but in real life, in the real world, outside of simulations, it's much harder and there's much more dire consequences in most scenarios to get that information. So simulators are perfect. I, I think we've digressed quite a bit from that, but my point originally was I wish there was more simulation for children to be able to practice these things we're trying to teach them. Outside of the real Without world. Without consequence. That would be real nice, wouldn't it? Well, and I think it would give them a chance to Is learn and develop pass, passageways. Can't talk oh, right now. yeah, passageways. Passageways in their brains to actually make rational decision without the consequent of actual action. Because yeah. your brain is developing. And so it's really hard to learn all this stuff magically without hurting yourself. And yeah. so you have the two schools of people where the ones that don't do anything because they're afraid to hurt someone. Yeah. And then they're all of a sudden naive. And then you have the ones that just do all the things. But here's, here's the possible negative outcome from all of this is like... Will we be taking the pain of learning away and it won't be as powerful? I because how many people learn from like being uncomfortable? 
being uh, embarrassed, being getting actual pain. Like, don't touch the hot burner. If we had only simulations to teach you not to turn, touch the hot burner, you'd never know how bad it actually hurts. But I think that would brings... you really learn it as powerfully as if you actually touch the hot burner? But that brings about the reality of parenting. You have to balance the good and the bad to yeah. teach, bring up well-rounded creatures. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it's more important to actually stand up to a bully in real life and practice what you think would get the right results in real life and maybe get punched for it. And you'll realize, okay, that didn't work. Experience is This the is nothing teacher. like the simulator. This is, <laughs> well, and that's just it. What's reality and what isn't? People who choke, because you got to know, there'll be people that choose to live solely in the simulation. Yeah. Neil Stevenson writes about that in the Diamond Age because there was reactive and passive. Like watching TV was a passive activity. But then people had their implants, and they could be reactive, which is God, I inside. love Neil Stevenson. Oh, by that the way. that book is genius. I'm getting to the very last couple chapters of Snow Chase or then, Snow Crash. Why do I keep calling? it? I don't. It's okay. Of Snow Crash. Yep. <laughs> oh my God, there is some deep concepts in that book. Oh, every and that's his interwoven far, into a pretty interesting story. But well, and that's how Diamond Age is. The, like the, the reactive people just got to where they because there's matter generation generators and basic universal income and all that stuff. People just were immersed all the time. And is that That's what would happen too, I don't really. If all your needs Again, were met. Again, I mean, it, just watch The Matrix, everybody. There's a reason why everybody refers to this. It's a very extremely important story, I think, to human that somebody wrote. I think that we're in a transitory time and it's causing upheaval and it's scaring people and that's why there's a lot of yeah. angst. Yeah. I think that that's a big part of it. Every time you shift as a species, like we've had big shifts. I think you see a lot of this type of behavior. It's just now we can communicate on a greater scale. True. So maybe we see have more of a collective angst than we ever had. Probably. We're more connected than ever. Hive mindy sort of thing. Yeah. I don't know. I've thought about it a lot because there's... Maybe, maybe a hive mind would be a horrible thing in reality. I don't want... I already at have enough for trouble a, with my own emotions. For... Can you imagine feeling every... Well, I already yeah, feel exactly. other people's emotions all the time. That would be I know. Just the amount of empathy you already experience without literally being a hive mind but we've talked about the collective consciousness before yeah it's a very it's a very wonderful thing to ponder i think if, some if of us are more attuned to it than others yeah. it's not a good or bad we, thing we don't even know if it's real or some kind of just phenomenon that we think that it's artificial artificially created in our own brains that our brain does it's like a, some kind of a god it's hard to find the words for this it's a construct with like an individual construct where we're not actually connected to everybody else's consciousness but Maybe we're picking up on cues we don't recognize subconsciously, and that cues. creates the simulation in our brains. But then again, I don't every, know. I'm, I'm wild. When I'm right at now. work, I'm though, <laughs> every time my family okay, I'll go to work, right? Yeah. I know intuitively. I don't know how I know when my family drives by every time. I'll look up and see the car go by. Is it how, why a dog can tell time? Well, how is it that points, I know that that person's points. going by now? I and and sometimes I don't even know that they're going to be traveling that day. I still know. Mm. But why is that? It's not woo. That's another thing that touches on too is all humans want to be special and important. Yeah. We've all fallen into it. We all want to be the Always, special, most yeah. special little curse person in class. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. like, does it play into that? I don't Possibly. know what it plays into. I like to think about it, though. Well, I think there's a lot of subconscious data points in which our brain uses that we can't even realize. I Again, I, let's, I let's look at the example story. of how dogs can tell time. They yeah. always know when their fucking owners are going to come home. Is They're always waiting by the door. Pattern-based. Yeah. But they like, don't know they're doing it. Their brain just automatically knows, okay, maybe it's something they don't even recognize, but a certain sound that they hear. Could and be. they're like, I, that sound always happens at this time. They don't consciously recognize it. Maybe at, at first they had it or something, at the puppy or whatever. But eventually it was just so ingrained response. that it's just like, 
they can hear the garage open and they know their own or something. Who knows? You know what I mean? It's like That's what I mean. Or Has little minute happened? things, but they don't recognize it consciously anymore because it's happened so much that, oh, it's automatically time. Because dogs can't read a fucking clock. No. And there's no way any any biological brain can ever just know what time it is. But they can feel emotions and they can intuit things. Yes. Dogs are really good at that. Yes. And they're really good at patterns. So... I think it's more, it's always a pattern thing. I and think humans probably patterns. pick up these kind of cues too. We don't like body language, uh, for example. Mm-hmm. Linguistics are so powerful. Mm-hmm. And, but body language, uh, a lot of that is subconscious. We can't even, if we wanted to pick out why we see a face move a certain way and we, and we can feel something as a reaction to that. We don't know why. And it's not a lot of the time conscious recognition of it. But our subconscious can see these very minute muscle movements in someone's face and we can just automatically tell something about what they're saying or what they're doing. That's how we communicate with yeah. animals too because animals are very much um, pattern yeah. and movement based. Like Facial I work with horses a lot. I have my whole life and I just I just like horses. Yeah. A lot of girls do. But when I work with a horse, how I approach it at what angle and how I am feeling dictates how that horse is going to respond to me. Yeah. Like most people don't – some people subconsciously intuit as you talk about – like a horse, if you walk directly on it, it's more of a challenge than if you come at it at a 45-degree angle. I can mm. back up to a horse when I'm joining up with it, and it will put its nose here. Yeah. Um, there's different things I can do with my body that can assert a dominant or subservient position because they're herd animals. All of that is done without words. Exactly. And so what they, else is We can't is communicate with them with words. They don't have the fucking capacity to understand but English language. But I can language. communicate with them with movement. Yeah. And so, and even when a dog hears a command, it's always it's a pattern based thing too. They don't pattern. actually know the English language; they'll never understand the English language. But they hear a pattern of sound waves, and they go, "That means I need to do this through the vigorous training we've given them for it." Because yeah, and I think they're more attuned to patterns than most things. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and there's just a lot to consider if you study nature. In fact, scientists have been studying nature for years Absolutely. to find out how things work and they you know there's a branch of computer programming Cause, cause that is archivists. derived from the pattern behavior of animals yes we're archivists and i find that so fascinating that a lot of the algorithms we use like reading michael cray's prey book oh god he go that book messed that's me up an amazing anyway. book i can't wait to read that again i, I, well, I, I tried to read it when i was like 14 or something you like need to read that. it now and it, it, messed it me fucking up. gave me chills. Yep, it still does. It just made me feel a certain way that I but didn't he wrote like, the so I never prey, finished it. He wrote the Pred Prey algorithm to make things this computer program work. And mm-hmm. that book is bananas. He is so it's far bananas. away from Michael his Crichton home. is insane. Well, he's like, he's like Neil Stevenson. There are just some yeah. deep thinkers that are just so far ahead of themselves. Like, they're two or three decades ahead in thought, yeah. I think. Especially in science fiction. Oh. It's like they know something we don't know I feel like, right? well, I think that about Stevenson all the time. It's like, what does this dude know? Because yeah. wait till you read some of his newer I books. I know, especially like... The 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 linguistic principles they he talks about in Snow Crash in nineteen ninety three oh my god in nineteen ninety fucking yeah. three yeah he wrote that book a long time yeah. ago but for whatever reason I came to these same thoughts and conclusions in my own head mm-hmm. I never wrote a book about them or anything but I that's why I'm connecting with that book so well because I always thought about that like like what is the universal language why is it so divergent in every culture? Well, and then he touched upon like the balkanization and the blur, the, all those, all of that stuff. I need to reread that book. I've read it like multiple times, but I haven't read it for a while. The balkanization of language. Yes. Yes. And the different enclaves of people and how they all split up. Yeah. In Diamond Age, there's a, there is a, there is a seeming commonality to just how language functions. Yeah. Um, I agree. It's interesting, but we'll never ever come to the same universal language. I think it will always diverge farther and farther. Look at slang, just how slang works. Oh, it's gosh. always diverging. <laughs> slang from New York, slang from New York is far different than slang from California and they're the same basic language, English. But regionalism is yeah, a regionalism thing. Yeah, regionalism is a thing. Because the Accents collective experience of, of people 
is definitely regional. Yeah. Like, there's just, yeah. Accents are another uh, example of that. Why do I speak English differently than someone from New York? They or have from that Arkansas, accent. Or, or from Boston, Arkansas. Or Boston. Or... It's, but I find it, I just always found it fascinating. I do like linguistics a lot. Yeah. Linguistics are very cool. They're There's very a lot fascinating. to discover there. Yeah. And that's why I love that book. Because within a fictional story, it explores these very deep thoughts that we all probably have. That's my favorite kind of stories. Yeah. Is that's it, why it I loved uh, Secret Machines a lot. Oh, that it's was the same very thing. good because it, it was good way narrative. more tech based than the first book was way more about the technology. Yes, and the second book was way more about all this metaphysical mesoc- phenomenon yeah. that I don't necessarily. <laughs> Metaphysics don't are hard to convey. Yeah. in a narrative form. Exactly why we have woo woo. Yeah, because that helps <laughs> us make sense of it. The yeah. woo does. That's and why we have all these people that believe crystals will improve their vibrational state in the quantum field or and something. Then, whatever and you the know fuck. What? If I don't that know. brings you peace and I'm joy, I'm not going to judge I'm you if good. that's if that's helping you to put a smile on your face. Cool. I hate how or, other or cope put, with the goddamn everything in life. It's fun to poke humor at things just but to help you cope. I just can't but it's see the science. Spirited just it. to disparage someone because yeah. that helps them make sense of their life. I, I I will pick apart the science of it all day, yes. but I'm not going to judge you negatively because that's the science you tend to believe in. That's not, well, and, and but I would love to have a conversation and understand why you believe it this way, and I would like to tell you my input. That's, well, that's where we need it, to go. It's the problem we have now is people with opposing or just differing beliefs can't even have a civil conversation yeah, with it, any challenge in it. Like, why can't I talk to that person who believes in crystals and be like, well, I don't necessarily buy this. Can you explain that to me? And then they not get offended. Why can't I talk to a neo-Nazi? Why can't you? That doesn't automatically make me a neo-Nazi because I want to talk to one. Why can't Does I it? talk Does to it? a militant Does it? I mean, if atheist. I'm wrong, please correct me, but I doubt that I'm wrong. Well, nowadays, it's you're giving validity to a thought that the group think, thinks is bad. By letting them it's talk? Like, well, no. Here's the problem. This is why we have freedom of speech. I know. I guess we're going to go down that rabbit hole. I like mm. this. Okay. So, you guys know why we have freedom of speech? It's so that we can invalidate bad speak. Instead of just blocking it out. Because guess what? When you block out bad speech, it gives it wings. You, for, you basically created a shadow for it to hide yep. in. You gave and it that's wings. even worse. I agree. And now they can transcend. So here's the problem. With blocking Donald Trump and all this other bullshit, hate speak you guys want to say. I, I just recently watched a episode of Joe Rogan with a... Uh, he had a member of the ACLU on and he talked... To, he's a Jewish guy. And he talked about his experience with uh, people wanting to ban speech. And he's like... What gives us the idea that we're going to be the ones to choose what speech is banned? Amen, Jewish brother. Mm-hmm. Amen. That's the problem. Why not? Not why don't we just not ban any speech at all? Disparage we, the hell out of it. And we just fine. we just counter it with better speech. You know what? Better the ideas. Virtuous thing will rule. Are the we day. afraid that they are correct? That's a or very that will, deep thought. Is it really that poisonous for them to be able to to prove their point? I'm speaking, I guess, with just neo-Nazis because that seems to be the most hated fucking individuals right now. Let them talk. Listen to what they have to say. It doesn't mean you have to agree with it. But if you don't agree with it, which I'm pretty sure the vast majority the vast of majority, humans would yeah. disagree. You know, the reason they're still around is because you guys keep just shutting them out. So they get to create their own echo chamber and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Instead of just proving them wrong. Well, right. Publicly. Okay. Right now, the cool and fashionable thing to do in academia and in the media is to blame white men for everything. If uh-huh, you look, that became a big thing all of a sudden. Yeah, white males are the root cause. Do you know what's happening, though? Is you're giving white males a platform to join the other platform. Like, yeah. they're being ostracized for stuff they literally didn't do. Uh-huh. Now you're forcing them to create this special interest group of just white people. 
because they're being ostracized for stuff they didn't mm-hmm. have anything to do with. Yeah. So it's funny when Joe when Joe Biden wants to talk about unity, mm-hmm. yet then he comes out and says that um, we're going to give this special coronavirus aid money to only um, at first women and minority run businesses. Businesses, and it's just like you just literally divided people with that one statement. You just created a group of white males and a group of women and colored folk, but now they're separated instead of being conglomerated into unity. Well, and, and I... You just I've fucked been... everybody on that whole unity thing there, Joe Biden. I'm sorry. I have to call you out. I really want to understand because I, I hear a lot of white privilege. Uh, people yeah. of color have been disparaged and the system has been made to work against them. Um, all of these things. And yeah. so I want to understand it. I understand the history behind it. Well, too. I want to understand... Yes, predominantly white males they typically the... take the power... F- the power show. Joe Biden is a fucking white male. Yeah. And he is now in power. Well, so how can he sit there and preach? Uh, so what I'm saying is he's contradicting himself. That's my own, only well, point. And that's my point with the um, the whole system as a whole. It's like, okay, I really have been going down a lot of rabbit holes and trying to read a lot of opinion pieces by people of color and listening to grievances because I want to know. I yeah. care about people. And, and yes, there's some horrible things. But what I don't see... Actually, I see behavior that is like the people that they're against. And it's mm-hmm. like that, to me, is not going to bring about the end of this. It's just mm-hmm. going to perpetuate it forever. Exactly. You're just going to switch the victims. Exactly. So do you really want to end it or are you just on a revenge trope? And it's like, well. Yeah. And also, I'm sorry, but I don't, I just don't buy that there's still a lot of systemic injustice. I, I haven't, I, as, as a woman, and I, I grew up in a culture that was very misogynistic. And so ladies had vest, less value, even though they did pretty much everything, except for what the men wanted to do. So I understand what they're saying there, that the system was and has been stacked against people. So I, like I said, I'm open-minded to listening to it. Mm-hmm. I just don't like creating another class of victims to uh-huh. solve the problem. And that's what I see is happening, and that bothers me. Yeah, we've got this, like... We I think we've entered. Victims. I think we've just entered a era of crusadism. I want to. I want to label that now. <laughs> like everybody, everybody's on this fucking crusade all of a sudden. And if it, if you're not a victim, then Especially your point Nancy doesn't have Pelosi. validity. Is that what it is? If you're not a victim, your point doesn't have validity. I like yeah, it. you can't just know how it's like if you're not a victim. I don't know. Well, I wish I, I wish I was a victim to understand, but I'm, I don't victimize myself because guess what? I am me. I am responsible for my fucking reality. I've been trying to teach that to my daughters too. Well, when they're starting to get in trouble and stuff, I'm just I tell them like, look. You are responsible for the reality that you live in. You create it with your brain. So if you change that reality to be more responsible, you will. I keep telling them, um, you need to convince yourself that I want to be good. Mm -hmm. Because that will manipulate your reality around you. Because now you want to be good, so you're going to inherently be good. So you're talking about the one thing we can control is personal virtue, though. Yeah. Because that's my thing is I wish we would all focus on our personal virtue. It's virtuous to find Mm -hmm. out why so many indigenous women are missing. That's virtuous. I would like to know that. It's virtuous to make sure that people are not judged for the structure of their hair. Yeah. I'm all for that stuff. So let's that's work on tr- that. That's the true essence of progressive. Yes, and I am okay with all of that. And, and who cares if I'm okay with it or not? It's how just, can, it's how can progressives progressive? All they're doing is running a, class of running a fucking crusade 
Guess what? You're just creating more victims instead of curing the victimism. Well, that's what I mean. You're making enemies so yeah. that there's a perpetual crusade, which is how they hold power. I uh-huh. think that's why I despise oh, them God, so much. Power is so boring. I know. It's power just, sucks. It's also in an era of, mo- of, of moderation. <laughs> or what is the word I'm looking for? Where everything is becoming automated. Mm-hmm. We don't need the power structures that ruled humans two or three hundred. No, I've years always ago. said that. Uh, not always, I guess that's a lie. Recently, I've within the last ten ten years, I've realized we just need an AI to run the country. That's just well. Okay, think of if pro- you take power out of humanity, then it can't poison anybody anymore. Think AI of, can't be corrupted by power. It's they, a if and then. It's but, an algorithm. Yeah. Think of progressives. They're the party of progress, but they put an old white dude in charge. Like, mm-hmm. how, you're basically defeating your own premise by doing that. If, yeah, really. It's all about You guys wanted to progress past old white men being in power, so you elect an old white man to be in power. Who was... Because he talked a different way. But who what was directly responsible for a lot of the policies that you supposedly spent an entire uh-huh. summer fighting against? Joe Biden is personally responsible for the goddamn student loan mess, and now he's coming out and saying, I want to cancel student loan mess. You created the goddamn student oh loan mess. If you wouldn't have done that in the first place, you would have no platform. The progressives were so mad on Twitter the other day. I saw this beautiful tweet. At first, they ran on the platform of canceling student debt, right? That was their big thing. <laughs> then it became 50000 was going to can- cancel. Now, all of a sudden, it's 10000 and everybody's pissed. It's like, they don't care about you. They care about power. Yet, you keep wow. putting them in charge of but you they and not a different result. They don't care about the individuals. They just want to have power over the corporations. Yes. Or power from the corporations. They derive it from them. It's all really common. So, it's like, if you care about... I want I care, I care about not student loan debt, that college is overvalued and overcosting. Yeah. Let's actually payment. fix the reason why there's a problem with student loan Instead debt. Instead of creating... Nobody's vi- talking about that. Let's though. not make future victims. Not a single political platform is talking about fixing the problem of student loan debt. They're just talking about wiping it out. And the thing What's, is, that's so not going to wipe help. it out, it's just going to make more. It's going to come back probably tenfold. Well, there's a hydra at this point. You cut off one head, 20 fucking more heads are going to pop out. Yeah. What are you guys doing? And When I we can go back and, and, and look through history as to... What led up to the student loan debt crisis, if you want to call it that? Uh, what was the mindset? Of what was the, yeah, <laughs> that's exactly well, what it led up. Let's peel it apart. Let's remove the layers and look at it for what it is, and then fucking fix that. Instead fix of the fo- underlying issue, you know, Quit we're putting focusing a on the it. victims instead of the actual cause. That's the Democratic platform, though. And then the other side, they the just conservative platforms all about you know. Pull it's your up own damn fault. Yeah, it's your, your own damn fault. Pull your bootstraps up. Or whatever we care about abortion, but we don't care about the babies afterwards. That's like, yes, you know. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> don't abort the babies because. But but it's your own damn fault. We're gonna leave them in the but they should pull themselves up by the bootstrap because they were born into a family that needs to get bootstraps. We can go on all day. We're just being hyperbole. Yeah, we're being hyperbole. But but the thing is, is quit. Let's focus on the cause, not the victims. I think that's a big. Mm -hmm. And then we'll focus on the victims after we stop Mm -hmm. making more of them. It's kind of like if you keep stubbing your toe on a piece of furniture. But you really want to focus on alleviating the pain of the toe every time. Let's but move, you never move the piece of furniture or yeah. never try to take a different route through the house. Let's move the couch, Let's people. Move the fucking couch. Move the couch. Yeah. yeah. Or move your path. Move your trajectory. Yeah. Get a new house. <laughs> you know, if I want, like, I don't know. It's a very complex problem. And that's another thing. We are treating complex problems like they're sound bites. Yeah. Complex problems are not sound bites. Well... The sound bite thing comes from our brains. Yeah. We're, Digestible bits of information. Like, we can, we're only capable of thought bites anymore. Well, we much. like insights, too. We get little insights, and then we feel really powerful mm. and really smart. And we got to share those insights with people. Yeah. I think that's why Twitter's popular. Well, yeah. Well, that's the other part of Twitter is, like, 
you're only ever going to get a soundbite because you're limited to a hundred characters or whatever the fuck it is. Yeah, and so let's be. So ins- now we're we're in this perpetual state of thought bites. Now we can't think beyond a two hundred fucking character t- tweet. Let's incite everybody because we'll get retweets then. Yeah, retweets. Get the likes. Even though, guess what? You're not getting paid for any of those things. Twitter gets paid for every goddamn reaction you guys get. I think I'm an approach... Because then they have demographic data points that they can sell to advertisers. Guys, and wake up! And I feel up. like mindfulness needs to be mentioned here because it's a hypothesis thing. You only have so many... You have 1,440 minutes, right? Mm-hmm. Isn't that how many minutes there are in 24 hours? I think. You need to be mindful how you're spending those. If you're making money for Jack Dorsey and his shareholders, is that mm-hmm. really a good use of your time? Is that making a difference in things that matter to you? Is no. that being a good part of the simulation? I honestly don't think a single tweet can ever make a real difference in anybody's life, period. And I'm not being preachy. I waste as much time as the rest of you. Oh, I got it. I've gone on for hours on this podcast about how I yes. waste my time in life. But it's just more <laughs> We're all about, guilty. <laughs> I think it's more about thinking in a different key. If you find yourself pissed off at Republicans, or if you're enraged at those dumb moonbats, then you need to stop and start thinking, maybe train your brain in a different key. I, I think that That's might be helpful. You know, like, okay, why am I angry at these people I don't even know? Yeah. Am I just angry at the situation because I have no control? Yeah. That could be Maybe a Maybe try part. to find a way to, like, alleviate the problem. Or go out and do something. True. God. You know, take Well, a we lot. were talking before the podcast just about how we create echo chambers of thought. We do. We're starting to create echo chambers of escapism. At least I've noticed that in myself. Where That's it's a like, big thought. Yeah. I want to escape doom and gloom, but for some reason I gravitate gravitate towards like movies video games and books and stuff about doom, doom and gloom, and gloom oh, yeah. to escape and i don't even realize it but i started to think about it yesterday and today and i'm just like god damn it escapism is futile but maybe that thinking in a new key <laughs> thing is maybe it's not maybe it's taking yourself out of your patterns we've talked about mm. we're pattern people so if we go and we're in a pattern of doom and gloom we seek out escapism that's doom and gloom it's like okay i'm gonna go into the joel osteen realm for a little oh, bit god. and do some cotton candy things <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, yeah, Joel. I don't good. mean to pick on you. That was good. That was a good. You sentence. know what I mean? Cotton candy things. Like, yeah. It's like okay, I'm gonna like look at some little kids kicking a ball around on a soccer field because you know that's gonna be nonsense, mm-hmm. but it'll make me feel better. Yeah. I I noticed how um it's nice to have a break for my children when they go to their other parents' house for the weekends. I never had that option. And uh, like, yeah, you can have it. You should enjoy that. But <laughs> I immediately miss when they're gone. They just oh, they they I have love... this they the chaos that they bring into the household. It's, it's almost though. cathartic to me sometimes to see their chaos. Well, now mine are teenagers. Because my life's all super organized. i got to keep it on the schedule and blah, 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 blah. But they add chaos and to it. And they don't even care about any of that. They shatter the entire idea of my organization just by their very existence. You know you'll miss it when it's gone, though. <laughs> they will. Yeah. because No, I'm, are, I'm trying to say yeah, is, but yeah. I miss it when it's gone because they it's like... They shatter your entire... <laughs> yeah. like, it, but it's to... Because I get to kind of experience that vicariously. That's good, though. Yeah. I, I do. You know, I'll be honest. There are times I love that they're older because I don't have as much input, like physical input as far as doing all the work that is involved. It's a different type of work now. But you do miss those random little moments of just nonsense because sometimes kids just say the most or do the most nonsensical things. And I usually just at the time you might be mad. I love it when they do that. But sometimes you just laugh and you're like, you know what? You're right. That cat, he should have not jumped on that. But you know what? You can't put a dress on him as punishment. Like, it, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know what I mean? The right? conclusions that kids come to, I love based on their limited life experience, is fucking amazing. They're, they're wonderful. You know, perpetuating your species <sighs> has some positive points. People yeah. are always like doom and gloom. There's too many humans that yeah. we should eradicate ourselves for the planet. I call that BS. Huh. I don't. Yeah. I know that's very fatalist. And I feel like if you just drive through America, there's not as many people as you think there are. 
True. There is a lot of open space. Get on an airplane and fly across middle America. Yeah. There's a lot. Well, it's because when people, when people tend to clump up. We do. And, uh. So we think, and we just have this generalized idea that there's, too many there's just this gigantic clump of people everywhere all the time. No, you go, like you said, drive across America and just realize how much empty space there is. Or the other night when the power went out. Yeah. I had a, I had one of those other new... Rev, the, Existential moment. I did because we went outside and I, uh, David went out to smoke a cigarette and I went with him just to look at the sky for a second. And my God, there were so many stars. It's so beautiful. I haven't experienced that for years since I was out in the desert pollution. in Arizona. Because of light pollution. I was like, well, there must be a lot of power out in Spokane. And I'm <laughs> but not... I look up and you just, I immediately realize how tiny I was again. And, and we're all you... lacking that. And I've heard so many and people talk about this. And I'm not saying that we're, we aren't having an impact yeah. or that we're not hurting the planet. But the thing is, is maybe sometimes we need to grab onto the wonder again. It's like, you know, there's good things and we can I, make a difference. And... I think it was, maybe it was Lex Friedman who was talking with Eric Weinstein. I'm trying to remember, I, this whole podcast, I've been trying to remember where I got this from. But yesterday I heard a conversation. I, I put on a lot of podcasts while I'm doing chores or other menial thing, pointless things in my life other than well, existing. But I, I've been, I was listening to this conversation he was having about like the death of, of your childhood innocence. I think it was Lex oh, Friedman and I Eric missed, Weinstein. And his, I missed and that part of if it. If you guys don't know who Lex Friedman is, it's a very awesome. Uh, he, I think he's like an AI psychologist or something. I have to look it. Can you Ooh, look that up I'll real quick? I'll look up Lex Friedman while you do such he's, things. It's uh, L-E-X-F-R-I-D-M-E-N, I think, Friedman. I will look for us. He's uh, but he, I just know he has something to do with AI and psychology. He's a very deep thinker, though. He's pretty much a philosopher. He's an AI researcher working on autonomous vehicles, human robot interaction, and machine learning at MIT. So he's super smart. He's a very smart guy. And his podcast is wonderful. He has some of the most deep conversations. The guy is just full of love and empathy. Yes, he's from Russia. Yes. He has very good stories about it, too. I love Russian stories. Um, I'll have to listen to Red uh, he, He's a very awesome guy. I actually was watching him play the Stanley Parable recently. Oh my gosh. He, he started now, playing video games for, for for his YouTube channel. See, he escapes yeah. too. He's a great guy. He writes beautiful music. He can, he he uh, he He's very full of love. He tries to push this narrative of love and compassion. Which is an uh, awesome thing. A wonderful person to add to your per- people to listen to. Oh, he's going on the I honestly repertoire. don't care if you guys stop listening to us to go listen to him, honestly. But... um. Yeah, that's a, a wonderful fucking human like being. Him. But he, I think he was talking with Eric Weinstein on, uh, this is where I think I got the idea of like, um, it's, he, they were, I don't even remember the general point behind it. They, he, it's a podcast. So that just like us, they were digressing a lot, but yeah, they were touching on the idea of like when your when your childhood innocence dies, that wonder, that curiosity, everything that you get from being a kid and not knowing, not having these experiences. Like how the difference between listening to that Cranberries album mm-hmm. when you were a kid and now. Yep. You had more of that sense of innocence and wonder back then than you do now. You'll never get that back. You can kind of touch it with nostalgia, but you'll never have that exact thing. Oh. It's dead. It's gone forever. It's gone. Those and that's what they were talking close, about. And you miss yeah. it. I miss that. Um, the closest thing to ever recreating that was doing psilocybin mushrooms, by the way. you It's almost the exact same thing. You're looking at everything from such a new perspective you know chemically altered of course uh that it feels you still you get that wonder again you get to feel that innocence again that's the most powerful thing i ever took from doing mushrooms was that like you feel like a brand new kid again yeah you really do it's a sense of discovery especially when you go out and take a walk on them and you see the the world around you not just your fucking four walls you're already used to but you go outside on mushrooms and you look at just everything it gives you the power of perspective that's the closest thing to ever regaining that 
state of consciousness of being a kid. No wonder people become drug addicts. Yeah. And I don't mean that well, in a disparaging yeah. way, but no, think about I it. I don't think you can get addicted to mushrooms. That's too exhausting. Like, it's impossible. No, but you can't. People are microdosing <laughs> people are, with people them. People are addicted wonder, to the effects I of it, maybe. I wonder if the people but... that are microdosing with them are experiencing that sense of wonder. Because I'm I, sure on, on a small degree, yes. Because I get that sense of wonder and that almost childlike feeling back every time I travel. Like, I get this happy yeah. skip in my step, and I'm like, I'm discovering, and I'm like, I get it. I am very exploration. excited. That's I love kind of, exploration. I think maybe that's where part of it stems from when you're a kid is like, the world is new and you haven't seen even a fraction of it yet. And you see baby so animals that exploration, doing it. that wonder, that uh, little we don't goats have jumping and they're just bouncing and if, off stuff. And being the archivist that we are, if you look at humanity as a whole, other than deep space, where do we have left to really explore? What ideas and principles do we even have left that are new anymore? Well, I think are, are, we're are seeing that in the creativity death place is that we're ex- oh, we're, yeah. we're just adding to and to taking from other things and making new stuff, but it's already old yeah, stuff. I love how these ideas loop back around, I don't know. you? Well, it's just, it's not what we do, though. <laughs> yeah. we like, but they kind of all combine with each other. It's, it's nice, yeah. Yeah, but that's, and that's an interesting thought to think about, Brady, because now my brain is going about 300 I might need As a, it always does every Sunday. I might need a snack. Yeah, we'll I, get a snack soon. Yeah, I, I don't like, want to end quite. No, yet. we're not ending. I'm just saying I think that we I haven't can... touched on a few things yet. Well, but... no, and that's what I, I didn't mean it that way. Oh, that's I was just okay. talking no, I about. Um, I'm getting hungry too. <laughs> no, just, we're always hungry after. There's this cookie because... bars in front of me. I think I'm done with sugar. No, I, yeah, I don't want any of that. The more, I'm so getting. The... I guys again. There's another ad plug. I wish they'd pay me for. Okay. But those bubbly sodas, B U B L Y, boobly. I call them boobly's because it's a fun word to say. I like to say fun words. Michael boobly. Boobly. Okay. Um, but they're really good. It's just carbonated water and I assume natural flavor. I fucking know. Who knows where flavors come from? You do know chemically. Those are good. The same if they're synthesized or derived from a natural source. Exactly. Realistically, yeah, they are. It's the result that matters anyway, right? Well, and it's we we make. Well, what was it? I seen a meme. There's these memes that have been getting popular lately, like, I dare you to Google where um, artificial almond flavor or vanilla flavor came from. It was like beaver anal glands or something. So, that's a, it's, it's a meme format that's gaining traction, and I love it. Because it's just messing with people. <laughs> I love troll. messing with people. I love a good troll, okay? Uh, Especially when it's harmless. So, well, because it oh, looks fun at the outrage. Oh, 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 here he goes. Fuck all that. The, the most glorious troll campaign that's probably ever been run in the history of ever happened a few days ago. It was uh, hashtag Pelosi loves Trump. Oh, my God. Uh, you have to look it, guys. I think it's I think you can still find I don't think it's been eradicated from Twitter yet. I don't know. But hashtag Pelosi loves Trump. Pull it up right now, okay, Katie. Um, I'm doing it. It's. Somebody had the genius idea. I think it came from a Twitter page called Cat Turd. That's the speculation. I'm probably wrong. I don't know. Well, with a page like that, that's glorious. I think I follow him. He needs to to correct me if you're listening or not. But that's what I Googled and it came up with. He's most likely the, the, the person who created this. But anyway, I digress. My point is, get on fucking Twitter and go... You don't even have to have an account. Just get on Twitter, type in hashtag Pelosi loves Trump holy shit i fucking died oh, for it's hours still going. yeah of course okay. it was trending one night and my my my, uh, my wife pointed this out to me she was like <laughs> brady brady you have to look at this oh my god and it's just these memes of like just... out of context pictures of like pelosi looking at trump a certain way or they're like trump was leaning in to tell her something it looked like he was kissing her and oh, it's, it's all like oh donnie boy i love you so much it's fucking the best troll campaign i've she ever seen in my life at it ass. was probably QAnon. 
Uh, it was pro- I mean, he's respond or they, they, I'm going to use but that pronoun because I don't know. The joy it brought my life to see this. And it, it's nothing against Pelosi <laughs> and it's nothing against Trump, but we we got to love a good joke, you guys. Stand up comedy's dead because of COVID. So <laughs> oh, we have to find comedy These in new ways right now. These are That's genius. what I'm saying. So when she gives you that look, hashtag Pelosi loves Trump. That's yeah. And it's like, uh, what's the, oh, <laughs> you leave Nancy alone. She's Catholic. You misspelled alcoholic. It's the cat it's meme. It's the cat meme. It's the cat. Ah! This is my favorite I one. I fucking now. love trolls. It's not the only wood I know how to handle, Don. Oh, Ooh, that's mean. Donnie oh, boy. Mean. It's mean. Yeah, these are. Yeah, I don't care what political stance you guys take. I don't care what stance in anything you take. You This troll campaign will make you laugh. It's also, perfect. It's, it's the whole, perfect it was the whole way. genius behind Saturday Night Live yeah. at one time. Is well, everything was, uh, exactly. was to make it's fun the, of. It's, it's the antithesis of the actual feeling that we get from all of this political crap going on. We need humor. It's the exact opposite. It's complete finding the absolute most funny thing about it. Mm-hmm. And I love it. And it took need... me completely out of the immersion of doom and gloom. Oh my God. And brought me to this state of like... <laughs> Sorry. Absolute humor. I love it. I'm sorry. I'm just... There's good ones, guys. There's some juicy ones. It's yeah, I can't look at this die. anymore. Katie's dying. Okay. But it was probably the best thing that could have happened in this scenario. I and like... I feel like humor is the best thing. It's how we cope with things. And the, Exactly, yeah. The cancel culture wants to cancel oh, humor. And we it. can't let them. Yeah. We need to just keep I wonder what going. the cancel culture thought of that hashtag. I haven't even seen anybody saying anything negative about it. I think it's one of those universal things that are funny. Because it doesn't take a political stance. It just takes a stance of... This picture is funny. And when you... Whether make, it's true or not, it doesn't matter. It's The point is, it's fucking funny. And when you make the agreement with yourself to run in the public sphere, you are no longer off limits. I mean, you weren't off limits to begin with, but you should just yeah. accept that people are going to troll you, and you exactly. should accept it gracefully. And it's harmless, because we all know, it's it's not like there's anyone that actually thinks Pelosi loves Donald Trump, but it's funny because it's not true. Well, and that's the problem. I think some people have, they have disassociated themselves with reality. Oh, God, I know. And, and, and that, I've seen it nonstop lately with this news cycle. I know. And I think reality is constant. What yeah. it is, is constantly being challenged by the vast amount of misinformation that's thrown in our face. We have to wade through it like we've never have had before. Yeah. Because before, think about it. In the beginning, you were told by your leaders what to think and not think because they were in control of all the information. Mm-hmm. Now, what do we got now? Just... An endless poo pile? Pretty much, yeah. It's just constantly coming out of a cow. what it seems like. We just have this giant fucking pile of manure and that's existence anymore. (laughs) But that's taking an extremely negative approach. I know, we're not trying to be negative. That's a negative filter. On a positive filter, though. A positive filter? um, What good could come all of this? We well, gotta try to at least find something. I feel There's like some the nuggets in there. It's the greatest thing that ever happened to humans. Jacob brought a good point the other day. We were talking about. Even if Trump did incite the riots or whatever, mm-hmm. and I'm sure some, I mean, realistically, you can argue it all day long. It kind of seems like he did, even if he wasn't very clear about it, whatever. I'm not trying to make that point or not. But my point is, is like <clears throat> the Underground Railroad in the days of slavery, mm-hmm. it was illegal and there was probably a lot of people who disagreed with it. But people did it anyway. the vast majority of people would agree that the results that came out of breaking those laws were good. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, people stormed the fucking Capitol building, the, the birthday party. Yeah, that the birthday, birthday party. party was yeah. But people stormed the Capitol building, and then some people were scared, and Jimmy's were rustled, to use a little bit of an older meme. Um, but could something positive come out of all this crap? I hope so. Could we make any changes to this political system? I it's, hope it, so. the, the very mere fact that it happened at all 
tells me something's broken and people want it fixed. So do we get that result? Hopefully, I, that's my positive. That's my. Uh, I guess I'm thinking hopefully here. At the end of the day, too, I hopefully refuse something good to ever blame a person for another individual's behavior. And I True. want that to be a positive. Yeah, Trump's thing. not responsible for fucking QAnon shaman guy. I don't I'm sorry. blame Demi- he, at, No matter, you could say it's because of his words or whatever. At the end of the day, that guy chose to believe those words of QAnon or Trump or whoever. He thought he was fighting this fucking magical war on, on politics. I don't know. And I feel that way about I'm, all We're not him. That's the problem is, guys, we're yeah. not him. Yeah. We don't know what point of view he has and what brought him to these beliefs and stuff. And it just happened. It's just... But Trump's not directly responsible for his actions. I don't care what you say. He made those choices on his own. I'm trying to teach that to my daughters. Are we really setting a good example to our our future Americans by saying it's all somebody's fault that you can you, now you can basically put the blame on somebody else for your actions? Maybe that's the precedent we're setting in my mind. Maybe the goodness that all erupt out of this is will in perpetual victimhood. Uh-huh. I would like to end That's it. what I want to I see want it from to this. Yeah. And cancel culture. I hate it more than anything on this planet. The Not the people that are ascribing to it, just the actual act of itself. Yeah, this cancel culture shit. And we're all tired of it, except the people who are doing it in this point. I, I want them to quit getting attention because mm. of it. I, I have no problem saying, hey, I don't like this person because they ascribe to this thought. Cool. Yeah. But we but can leave we can, them alone. But let's for just a second focus on the good intentions of cancel culture. Well, I think but it's not th- a bad just thing. because it's good intentions doesn't mean the results are going to be good because obviously that's just what's going on. But I understand wanting to end racism. I want to. I, I understand. You're not going to end equality. it with more racism. We all want equality. Absolutely. There's nothing wrong with that. True equality comes from realizing but that we're not the, all equally it's, endowed. It's the warfare that's just not. Okay. It's just, that's what's, you're, it's, I think just, it, the wrong approach is being taken, unfortunately. So that's there's all. a positive. In my opinion, though, but that's my opinion. Let's end, let's end being divided by being stoked by people that want to retain power. I'm yeah, cool with that. True. It's power. By the very mere act of cancel culture, guess what? You're giving power. Um, you're actually creating the same power forces or power struggle that created those Oppression. things you're fighting in the first place the oppression you're fighting in the first place I think so you're nuance, fighting fire with fire you're just making a bigger fire i think that nuance you haven't is put lost the fire out. on people i don't think that and so that's my positive take from all of this is mm-hmm. i'm hoping people are doing what we're doing right now which is questioning things yeah. let's not perpetuate the old ways let's not throw out any of the old ways that are actually good but let's not perpetuate the old ways that caused this problem yeah. let's think of new ways to do stuff and honestly another good a good thing that needs to happen i think is like more and more of us need to lead by example yes the problem is who's right and who's wrong as an example we can debate that all day i think as long as we focus on how we but we have a lot of this virtues we have a whole lot of this do as i say not as i do thing going on so hypocritical that needs to end that's a contributor to many problems in humanity not just america not just my fucking hometown or whatever just no in general do as i say not as i do is not a good thing for anyone yeah anywhere at any time it's like you know what do as you do and then let the other people figure it out for themselves yeah but you just really can't tell people what to do no i think that's the root cause of the problem is people are naturally rebellious whether it's passive aggressively or right in your face and it's because we all intuitively know that people are full of shit at the end of the day, you just want to be told that you are right. That is something that's really stuck with me. Some psychologist or someone said that, that that is the deep-seated mm-hmm. human desire, that they just want to be told they're right by people. Well, it's metastasized I, into something disgusting. I, I praised the lady the other day on Twitter because she admitted she was wrong because she didn't read the article. She just read the headline. Oh, I love Mea Culpa. And instead of just continuing to insult her, I never insulted her in the first place. I don't think we were having an argument. All I said was like, 
you I think you misunderstood the article. It was about it was the Dan Crenshaw article explaining. Oh, yeah. And I was just like his, his, he was he wasn't making the point of COVID deaths. He, all he was trying to do is use that as an example to push a point of like the mentality behind Republicans versus Democrats. He was talking and about and why an they're ideal, why they think about, about it differently. Yeah. That's yeah. all it was. But she admitted, "Oh, you have a good point." I just didn't read the article. I just read the headline. Whoops. Lady, if you're out but there, I we'd said, love to talk to you. I, I love people name, but, like that. But I told her, you know, that speaks a lot about you that you admit that you were wrong. I was like, we're all guilty of this. That's personal virtue. I was like, but I have to respect you because guess what? Admitting you're wrong is a direct pathway to a success because now you can grow from it. Now, now you realize I didn't read the article. You'll start reading articles, hopefully. And it also gives so. more validity to her as a person when it comes to how you consider her. Yeah. Because now you know it's like she's not just trying to be right all the time. She actually wants some answers. Exactly. And so I'll consider what you have to say, right? Well, exactly. So let me read the actual tweet. I would love it is very for you to do that. I'm, I'm happy with it. Well, because I disclaimer all my blog I'm, I'm, posts. I'm happy about this interaction I got to have with this lady because... I'm not, I'm okay. Much like a simulator, it was a good chance for practice for me to to live by my the virtues without that I stand by. Without actually hurting anybody. Without anybody being hurt. Well, yes. my thing is, is I don't... practice what you preach, guys. No human likes to be wrong, but I don't mind it either, because you're going to learn from that discomfort, right? Mm -hmm. I hate being Ooh, wrong, I'm not but, on your wi -Fi, no but... Oh, well, what the heck is wrong with you? <laughs> I don't know. You better fix that. Uh, I just know that Pelosi loves Donald now, and... <laughs> It oh, makes, Donnie boy! I am so excited Donnie to have learned that. I love my that. Donnie boy. Yeah, that um. Uh, well, I that thing killed me. I blew a funny fuse props, for a few minutes. I'm still like it. Props to that lady yeah. for for being so cool. You know what I mean? Like exactly. I, I wish. Here, I, let me find it. It's, I want uh, you to find it. I just, oh, here it is. Okay, so it? let okay. me read the whole thread. Yeah, okay. read it to me. I want to know. Can I read? Do you mind if I read the whole Dan Crenshaw thing? It's kind of oh, long. Why would I but... mind? Uh, it's our podcast. We can do what we want. Okay, because we're already it. at two hours, but fuck it. We'll Guys, do I, I do, we'll I want to read the whole thread, but that includes Dan Crenshaw's thing. It's kind of long, but I'm going to read it anyway, okay? So bear with me. Go for it. The, this is Daily Wire. Don't pay, who cares where it comes from? Just listen. It's the words that matter, right? Mm-hmm. So, oh, dang it, there's an ad. Give me a second, guys. Some fucking movie I don't want to watch. It, it is labeled opinion, though. I do like that. But it says, Crenshaw, who's a congressman, ex-Navy SEAL, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Crenshaw, to understand the logical lockdowns, we must understand the left's thinking. Now, I'm not pushing an agenda here. I'm just reading an article. Just listen to the words and form your own opinions. Okay, let's I'm not, do it. I'm, I'm not doing this to, to prove anyone's points around or around. I just want to read the words, and you guys can decide. But they're, they're, it's a very good observation. Let's just put it that way. Whether he's right or wrong, it's at least... A good observation, a good starter piece for a conversation. Okay. Lockdowns are back. To many of us, it would appear as if the entire human race has learned absolutely nothing in the past eight months. Despite the overwhelming evidence that the cost of lockdowns far outweighs the limited benefits, many policymakers lack the backbone or creativity to come up with any alternative. Internet memes have shrewdly asked, If a lockdown worked the first time, why are we doing it again? If a lockdown didn't work the first time, why are we doing it again? It's a paradox. Uh, one of the most striking observations of the pandemic is that our society's reactions have fallen almost completely along partisan lines. Yes. Mm -hmm. Conservatives and, or sorry, conservatives tend to be anti-lockdown and anti-government mandates, while liberals take the opposite view. Conservatives seek to contextualize COVID-19 data on deaths and infections with additional considerations such as age, risk factors, and uh, proportionality, i.e. total numbers versus case per 100,000. Liberals obsess over total deaths and case counts, but nothing else. 
The initial explanation for such stark differences was a familiar one. Whatever Trump favors, the left opposes. While this is often true, it doesn't offer a full explanation. Over the past eight months, I have seen for myself who is truly frightened and who is not, and who is asking the government for more action and who is not. I have seen how the demeanor of New Yorkers and New Englanders differs to that of my fellow Texans. In Washington, D.C., I regularly see people wear masks while walking alone in a park. In Texas, I almost never observe this, probably because there is no scientific basis for it. I presume the well-educated population of... <coughs> Sorry. I presume the well-educated population of D.C. also knows there is no scientific basis for wearing a mask outdoors with no one around. You. Only to take it off when you're finally seated at your favorite restaurant. And yet, they do it anyway. Why? The why is the more interesting question. Why do liberals favor lockdowns, aided by sensationalist headlines? Why are many genuinely more fearful of the virus? Opportunistic anti-Trump partisanship simply cannot explain many of the real and non-political reactions I have witnessed. This is more than just a childish symptom of Trump derangement syndrome. This is indicative of deeper cultural and psychological differences between the left and the right. Can you see why this is perfect for our podcast here? Mm. <laughs> um, at the heart of the disparity regarding our attitudes to the COVID-19 response is the subject of risk assessment. The perception of risk differs wildly, widely between liberals and conservatives, as well as the decisions made when confronting risky situations. Research shows that Democrats and Republicans differ in the neural me mechanisms activated during risk-taking exercises, specifically in the amygdala region. This demonstrates measure blah, blah, blah. this demonstrates measurable psych physiological differences when confronted with risk. Sorry, I'm my mouth, man. It's all right. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, but what about the actual choices we make? To assess risk tolerance, a better indication might be the careers that liberals and conservatives choose. Conservatives overwhelmingly fill the ranks of physically riskier jobs such as the military, law enforcement, and loggers. This is all a lengthy way of explaining this simple observation. Conservatives appear to be less risk-averse to physical threats and therefore far less likely to favor more extreme actions to mitigate that risk. This leads us to the next major cultural division, which is the extent to which government should involve itself in societal problem-solving. The essential disposition of the liberal mind is a belief that almost anything can be solved by government. Conservatives reject this as unmitigated hubris resulting in unrealistic goals and excessive costs. The liberal favors action, even at a high cost, and even better if that action is collective in nature. Rhetorically, everything becomes the moral equivalent of war. The war on poverty, the war on inequality, the war on COVID-19. Because only in war do we plan and execute with feverish collectivism. Look, guitar kit guitar, ads! Guitar, guitar, That's what I'm telling you guys. It's, underneath that is ads for the guitar kits. I told you. Okay. I'm not lying here, guys. Scary. It's fucking okay. serious. Um, this preference for collective action means that the need for proper cost-benefit analysis is cast aside. Rational questions about the effectiveness of lockdowns or whether their benefit exceeds their cost are ignored and even considered offensive. If it saves one life, is the battle cry of the left, because their language is the language of assumed morality and compassion, not proper risk analysis or rational decision making. And this surfaces yet another major difference between conserv it's almost done, guys, between conservatives and liberals, our moral preferences. Performing hundreds of thousands of surveys across different countries, social psychologist Dr. Jonathan Haidt, I think is mm -hmm. pronounced, consistently found that liberals overempathize caring and fairness above other moral considerations. Conservatives, on the other hand, favor all moral categories more equally, placing emphasis not just on compassion, but on fair process, 
moral authority and tradition, liberty and loyalty. Conservatives are more morally balanced, while liberals measure the worth of an action by its corresponding measurement of signaled compassion, virtue signaling. Uh, so it is no surprise that liberals routinely denigrate contextualized COVID-19 data, such as accounting for age comorbidities when assessing fatalities, as downplaying the virus or covering for Trump's failures. After all, rational discussions become impossible with someone who views you as morally inferior. True. Psychological dispositions matter. Cultural differences matter. They lead to vastly different policy outcomes. If we are to successfully persuade someone of our view, it behooves us to understand these differences and attempt to frame the debate accordingly. Only then can we understand the profound question of the intent, or the internet memer we discussed earlier, sorry. <laughs> oh, look, the amp. More There's amps. an ad for the amps. amp. Okay. Um, if lockdowns didn't work the first time, why are many Americans calling for more? And why are so many leaders in government obliging? And then it describes Dan Crenshaw, which I'll read that real quick. Representative Dan Crenshaw is a former Navy SEAL who serves Texas 2nd Congressional District in Congress and sits on the House Energy and Commerce Committee. So this ain't just no freaking, this ain't no like nerd in his mom's basement typing up an opinion piece, okay? This guy's he's very intelligent. Yeah. Um, he's been through a lot. He's a fucking veteran. Uh, the views expressed in this opinion piece are the author's own and do not necessarily re represent Daily Wire, though. So you have that disclaimer, by the way. So Twitter. <laughs> Don't cancel Daily Wire. <laughs> well, I feel like they're just a platform for someone's opinion, which is yeah, what that that's was. That's okay. It was labeled as an opinion, and I totally am okay with that. Well, I knew going into it, this was an opinion. Um, so yeah, that's Dan, that's Dan Cranshaw's kind of take on this. So uh, that leads me to the Twitter thread. Uh, I think it was my retweet. No, I was on the actual tweet, but this lady whose name is Anita with an American flag... Uh, at triple, I shouldn't doctor, never mind. Um, if these politicians could just one time give their platform or opinion without bringing the other side into the statement, it would be so helpful. Why can't he just say lockdowns are illogical and here's why? And I replied with, the intent of the article was to point out the psychological differences in the left versus the right, using COVID lockdown perception as an example to explain this point. And she admitted, thanks, you are right. I'm embarrassed to say I didn't read the article, just the headline, which is a stupid thing to do. Oh, I love her And I, I gave her a like on her reply to that. I said, it shows a lot about you that you would admit being wrong. Please don't be embarrassed about that. It's admirable to be wrong as long as you can recognize it. It's a pathway to growth and learning and ultimately success. We have all been fooled by headlines as well. LOL. <laughs> well, we have. And, and, and the ability to admit it, you know, I was just thinking about Mr. Crenshaw's article in the sense that, you know, he's pointing out that one side is emotion driven and one side is more logic driven. Mm-hmm. You need both sides to get yeah. stuff done at the end of the day because sometimes two logical people, they don't consider the emotional impact. You know, we have emotions. They're yeah. important. And then the other thing, when the and right now I feel like the narrative is being driven by the emotional people. And that was a very good... Essentially, yes. It was a very good anecdotal example of why. Every person is important. It is not important. It is not good to hurt lots of people for the sake of one person, though. It's true. So we have to talk about... It's the trolley problem. It really I is. I think a lot of this boils down to that again. This is, and if we and just, this is not even a partisan um, no. question. This is a very real question. So when they were designing these automated cars, they have to consider what's called the trolley problem, which is like if you're on if the trolley's on a track and there's a split in the track and you have uh, uh, like one person tied to the tracks on one side and forty people tied to the tracks on the other, the trolley can't just stop. It's got to go one or one way or the other. Mm -hmm. Um. Do you want to sacrifice the one person to die to save the 50 or whatever? Or do you want to run the 50 over to save the one guy? It's like, 
It's, it's an impossible problem. It's all all hypothetical, but it's it's uh, moral decisioning is that's tough. something they had to consider when programming like the you know the reactions of these self driving vehicles to like a real world situation. Like if oh, the the car's only option because it runs on if and mm-hmm. you know these are very binary systems. Still, it's not a, a sentient being. It, it has to it has to take in data and yeah. go if data then reaction. So. Uh, if a car, if a self-driving car is driving and it has to swerve left to avoid a bicyclist, but it will hit a mother and a baby over here, what? how do you program it to decide which is better to hit? Because it's going to hit one or the other in this scenario that they're, you know, programming. I it don't to, think you can. To tra- they're training it. Um, it's it's literally an impossible problem. This is why we don't have self-driving cars. Nobody solved the trolley issue I because don't... it's very. Can you? You can't. That's is an that impossible solvable? problem. That's the issue. So, because can is one person more important than forty? Is forty more important than one? If that one guy is a fucking gonna cure cancer, you see where we're we're going here? I do. Well, and I just think about it ties Dan, into the abortion debate. Dan too. Crenshaw's thing too is it's like I feel like the answer it feels like we're heading towards balkanization again because mm-hmm. he basically you know he's obviously conservative because of how he Very. Was in the yeah, he's obviously. Um, how do we get along with the other side? You, you, mm-hmm. His whole article is we're not, and so maybe the whole point of the United States was. Freedom, you know, they they left the whole monarchical society mm-hmm. to have an independent, you know, to determine your own future, right? Well, when you have such ideological differences where you can't even get along, how are you going to do that? How are we going to do that now? Yeah. How are we going to do that? When the emotional side is never going to be happy with the logical side, and the logical side is never going to be happy with the emotional side, and now we have about 50%. It's very divided. Mm-hmm. Do we just split into another country? Is that allowed? The whole point of states was... We'll have the same issue at the end of the day. And if we split off into different countries, then we're going to branch again into different ideological paths. Well, that was the whole point of the states, though. Mm-hmm. Is You know what? Say you want to be a complete flaming liberal, as they like to say on go the right. Go move to San Francisco. You could go live in an enclave with that type of people. Go live in San Francisco. If you, obviously, most of the conservative people are moving to, be to a, Idaho. If you want to be a, a, a blatant conservative... Go move to Texas or Idaho or whatever. And you were united under one commonality that it was a limited framework that was supposed to defend your rights, the unalienable ones, like freedom of speech, mm-hmm. freedom of religion, freedom. But now the people, the one half of the people that we have, I truly think don't believe in that. And they think it was flawed from the beginning and they want to get rid of it. Well, the other half's like, no, that's sacred to You us. have to keep that in place for sure. So how do you reconcile that? How do we get along? How do we get along? We're I've been a, thinking about this problem. a lot. I think it's we're the, in a, it's a, yes, it's an it's ideological trolley problem. Trolley problem. That might have to be the title of this episode. It was uh, another one that brought it up too as I was listening to InfoWars. Oh, Alex. It was War Room with Orrin Schroyer, and he brought up this point of, uh, uh, from a conservative point of view only, they were talking about, do the conservatives express their First Amendment right to protest at the inauguration because they don't agree with Joe Biden being president? Okay. And right, they have the right to not want him as president. Mm-hmm. Okay, whatever, fair democratic process or not, Joe Biden's going to be inaugurated on the 20th and the conservatives are trying to figure out, do we express our First Amendment right to protest at the inauguration but risk a false flag operation? Sure. I'm sorry, um, this is what he said. I mean, I'm just no, explaining, I'm not saying my point of view, I'm just explaining yeah. what I saw. What he said was, um, do we risk a false flag operation being enacted? And we lose our Second Amendment because they're going to start shooting and then that's going to be an excuse for the liberals to take our guns away. They can't. Or do we sacrifice our First Amendment 
by staying back, not oh, doing anything. So it's a paradox. And we keep our Second Amendment because they have no reason to take it away. Well, I've been thinking about this a lot. You have 75 million people that are disenfranchised right now. No one would hear their... And, there, and guys, whether you believe about the media narrative that there was no fraud or not, there is a lot of affidavits and people saying that there was some stuff that happened. Not just a few, a lot. Mm -hmm. And so you have all these people that didn't get heard. What happens when people don't get heard? They get angry mm -hmm. and they get disenfranchised and they do stuff. Like so, storm the birthday party. Yes, like storm the birthday party. So whether you give it credence or not, the la the other side has spent the last four years saying that's not a legitimate president. I don't like him. They've impeached him. They've done all these things that there really wasn't a lot of evidence for. Whether you know that at least I didn't get to see. So how come it's okay for one side and not the other? And so then you have more disenfranchisement. And more of a divide. And more of a divide. So we either need to stop this bullshit by considering people and, and going through and listening to their grievances. And then once the grievance is addressed, be done mm -hmm. with it. Instead of letting conspiracy theorists a, and add a good way that this it. could have been A good way this could have been solved is a very clear and transparent uh, investigation into the elections so that they could have proved their point that it was a fair election. But they didn't do that. When no one hears a case, yeah. when you have evidence... So now you have people on both sides shouting. Nobody really has any clear evidence. Yes. Either one side's not being represented with their evidence and then the other side's not even presenting their own evidence. There's another big, huge divide because now it's just like, okay, nothing got done. And so, and guys, I'm not addressed. picking a platform here because no, I don't either. feel like I'm, I have enough data I'm, to even make a I'm decision. I'm observing just as, a, as an outsider yes. looking in. I'm observing both that's sides. That's what I see had happened is like one side wasn't able to clearly represent their evidence that they supposedly had right or wrong. And it wasn't heard and by the, the system. And the other side wasn't presenting their own evidence against that supposed evidence, whether it was right or wrong. So... It never, nothing got resolved. And so these, and have, have the these people party. still feeling like it wasn't resolved and that it was an unfair election because the other side didn't prove it was in a, it was a fair election. And then the other side just going, you're just wrong. There's gaslighting essentially is what I see. Well, and it really bothers me because let's just, why can't we just talk about yeah. and give validity to both sides? I'm it's just like, saying it's, it's a, it's no wonder why that storm on the Capitol happened. Well, and we don't want to address the why. We just want to address the terrorists. And it's the finger Arrest pointing. them. Go to it war. just came across my thing, Fox News. Grandma's blaming Pelosi for the Capitol riot security players. <laughs> you guys are just perpetuating it. Quit you actually don't even people. care. Quit blaming these people and blame the problems with the structure. And I think another thing that would really, 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 really help us, the lady that gave the commencement speech at my husband's graduation is still in Congress. My husband graduated in 1982. That was a good point that Eric Weinstein brought up in his discussion on the Realignment podcast that I showed you yesterday. That oh, you yes. Said you like, um, that's, said we're LARPing when, whenever we're, we're, we're talking about the Eric Weinstein in this episode, it's, we're referring to a video I shared to Katie yesterday, which was the Realignment podcast. Um it's really good. It, it's really good, but Eric Weinstein was speaking on there, and he was talking about, uh, like, most of people in government right now are, like, octogenarians. And come on, guys. I'm, I know a man who's... With the exception of a few that are coming in slowly, but yeah. we're talking about I, the I real top leaders, the majority leaders. I still goes skiing and teaches children stuff, but you know what? Yeah. Very few people in their 80s... Yeah. They were need, all born in you, the 40s or before. Well, the, the thing is, is you are at the end of your life. You need to be, um, you still can work. But honestly, you and I talked about this. The vast majority of people in Congress should be between 30 and 60. Yeah. You still have the energy to do it. You know, when you're an 80, I feel like mentor the I young people. I feel like people. they could be consulting or That's just mentoring. Like mentoring the young yeah. people. But this idea that you need to cling on to power. Diane Feinstein spoke, was the keynote speaker at my husband's graduation in San Francisco. My husband's quite a bit older than me. 
That was a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Almost four, 40 years next year. Nothing is even Why remotely is the same. still in Congress? Yeah. The, the, the landscape of reality is vastly different than not, even just 10 years ago. Yes, and I'm not talking about throwing a good old example people of that is, uh, That's not what I mean. A good example of this is I watched a video. Uh, I can't remember the YouTube channel. It doesn't matter. It was about... It's kind of like a deep dive into the history of ringtones. This is what I waste my time on, guys. I'm not saying anything. I'm not looking at you. It was like, we've only had cell phones for 20 years. Not a long time. They've been around since the 80s, but mass adoption was the late 90s, early 2000s. Exactly. So just looking back 20 years, just looking at ringtones, the landscape of technology, the landscape of reality was completely different just 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. And these are people who have been around for a hell of a lot longer than that in government. Longer than I've been alive. Our president... And I've seen so many changes just through my own lifetime of 30 years. Yes. Where from the 90s when I was born and barely remember... Yeah. ...to now is so much different. So much of a gap of technology and ideology, everything. Or how about I'm only nine years older than you, and what I've seen was massively different than just even when you came on... One decade is huge. Exactly. It's a huge leap, you know, and that's just... And that goes back into the temporal illusions video. I oh, I know. I need Dude, to it all ties into this. Well, that's kind of the whole thing with hypothesis. Yeah. Is we, we draw the strings of the pattern together into one wacky show of fun. Yes, okay? I love it. <laughs> it's like, well, and, and no one's being elder abusive here because I also no. hate that how we write It's not like I hate old people or anything. No, like but... The, we need you to spread your wisdom. We can't progress humanity without the wisdom of people who've been around that long. I don't think government I just don't think should, they should be an occupation. Power. Like, Congress was not designed to be a permanent job. No, if you've been in Congress longer than six to ten years, There's there is something wrong with Pro- problem with Congress, not with you. No, well, I and what I well, no, you have a desire for power because honestly, oh, yeah. it should have been a public service. But is that something that was inherent in those people, or something that was bred by the career? I think we need to fix it by enacting term limits. We can do that as a group of people. That How many people are preaching for that? Because there's a lot of that I've heard, we and it's not it. getting done. And That's why? Because, where's the roadblock? Because are they going to vote to limit their own power? No, no, because they're autonomous. They don't listen to us. But, but we, we all do. are saying to put term limits. They're not listening. We to can us. do this really. Thus, one guys. of the problems in government right now is the autonomy, which. I don't understand where that came from, but it needs to end. We got rid of the. Uh, I don't see public for. I don't see these leaders that are supposed to represent us actually holding public forums and hearing us anymore. They That's don't. not happening. It's all happening. That that uh, person we elected is just doing these things where they're not even asking us anymore. There's the autonomy in government right now, and it's a problem. Well, and we could do this really cool thing called a constitutional convention. I don't know why we won't do it. They floated it before when people what, got mad when we were... A constitutional convention? It's when the states get together and amend the constitution. We can do oh, it ourselves. Yeah. Well, each state has their own constitution. No, 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 no. We amend the federal one. Ah. You have to have three-fourths. Yeah. See, that's another thing. It doesn't hurt to update that ancient document, guys. Well, it was designed to be updated. But who gets to say what gets changed? We, that's the it's thing. It's just how we formented, fomented, formulated the original constitution, the states and representatives. That's what a constitutional convention uh-huh. is. And then we draft articles, and then it is an amendment. Yes, but I just I just pointed out the flaw in our state representatives not actually talking talking to us so if we let them decide it's no, still no, no, autonomic no, no. we, we like, don't want that to be we autonomous we elect our own point. delegators yeah that's we, that's we, my point is they'd have to be announced my point is we gotta like encourage these people we've elected to do these things and represent us to actually talk to us first because how can they really represent us how can they represent us if they don't talk if they're not google fucking knows more about what we want than our fucking representative to, to go and talk to our leadership how many americans right now can name their state 
And federal representatives. That's what I mean. I barely can. Well, I doubt it. But they're not coming and actually putting the effort into talking to us. Where do they get their data as to what we want? Uh, is what I want to know. Again, Google knows more about what we want than, than these fucking representatives we elected to represent us. Well, because they're not asking, but Google has all these data points, but they don't have any data points. Where's half, their data? Half the adults in this country. Do they do a elections, poll? Elections they ask, have been invalidated. They ask. They ask, here's what I see: is these stupid polls. Oh, on Facebook. They 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 ask ten people, and ha- and four of those people say one thing, and six say the other, and all of a sudden that That's represents science. that represents the everybody, so they can apply that to these polls, and it's like, is that where they're getting their data? Because that's a hugely flawed system. Because first of all, they're probably only asking one goddamn side. Polls are hilarious. I hate polls, and that's where they're getting their data points, and that's that's bad. I think that there's bad also data. an intentional lack of uh, education in statistical data analysis, because mm-hmm. if people actually knew how that's they used true. data against us, they'd probably be pretty pissed. I can't say I'm educated in statistical data analysis. Well, maybe we need to do more education <laughs> in statistical ed- data analysis. It is what makes the world go round right now. How many times is like, the study says yeah. that this, and then they use that to make policy? Yeah. Or and that's, the, again... Yeah. When you have flawed data being input into the machine, the machine's going to give you flawed results. And that's where we're at. But people call it science. And and really, there might be some science it, it, there, Technically, it's that's defini- a scientific process, But yes. it's not definitive science. Exactly. It's constant. Okay, when you I was a kid... You can argue the science all day, When I was a kid, margarine was good doing. for you. Now but margarine <laughs> yeah, is bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was science at point. the time. Science is constantly evolving. We've, pro- we've, we've driven this point so yes, hard in this podcast. So and it's, hard. But I'm going to drive it again. And Please if I have do. to say it every episode till everybody gets it through their head, I will. Science is fluid. It's always changing. That's the inherent nature of science. So don't use it as a beat yeah. stick we to will prove your always, point. We will always get new data. Yep. So you can say, based on this data, here's what we think. This is the most logical conclusion on the data we have. Well, like, but yeah. remember that it will change in the future. Like Dan Crenshaw's opinion he was using data picked to for mm-hmm. you know argue his point. And he's not sitting there saying he believes he's right. He's just saying based on but this, this is data, his opinion. And people have, I formed this conclusion, yet it could change in the future, and I'm sure he would admit that. And the problem is, is we have let data be a god. With True. COVID, we let data be a god. True. And it has freaked the hell out of me. It's like, uh, it's a brand new virus. Mm-hmm. Or like the vaccine. Brand new vaccine, brand new mechanism of delivery, brand new Mm -hmm. creation. Barely any data. Barely any data. But the data we do have is God. So that's very They've made a good argument on it, though. It's just like we've, you know, we. I don't know. I don't even want to speak for Dr. Fauci. Go go on. um, uh, I think it was Game Theory. There's a YouTube channel called Game Theory. Matt Pat, the host of the channel, he's a very objective person. And he does a very good job. He does a very good interview with Dr. Fauci. For whatever reason, it doesn't pertain to the channel's actual content. But they came, they came to him and asked if he wanted to do a, um, a uh, an interview with Dr. Fauci because he's technically an infotainment channel. Mm-hmm. So because he's covering like a lot of informative subjects on his channel and sticks to data and science, they asked him if he wanted to do an interview, and he did an interview with Dr. Fauci, and it was very... Was it informative? It was uh, pretty informative. Like informative. I mean, it, Dr. Fauci got a chance to just speak... Without it being curated Without it being on the news, news. Yeah. yeah. And, and Matt Pat doesn't take a political approach to anything. There was no left or right, nothing like that. It was just, he had questions, Dr. Fauci answered the questions, they weren't leaning any one way or the other. So, I encourage everybody to go watch that just because it was it was nonpartisan and it helps to have that. So I think we um, need a lot more of that actually yeah. because that's a large part of what this podcast does. If you notice, Brady and I really 
I think a platform is kind of, you can take a stand on something, but honestly, mm-hmm. you're fluid just like the sciences. You're getting new data every day. You're getting new ideas. And so you're an individual human being. I don't want to be identified by an RRD. No. That really bothers Can't, me. If you lock yourself in, you're screwed. Well, and I and, and it's like it's weaponized mm-hmm. then. I, I would like to consider all the things, and we consider all the things. I don't mm-hmm. want to, we have poke fun at things, but honestly, I like to consider everybody. And I can, there are people all over the spectrum of beliefs that I care about. And if you, it matters to you, if you're a far left liberal and you like Marxism, you know what? You matter to me. So I will consider your stuff. And I know yeah. it matters to you. And I think people need to approach it that way more. Yeah. We got to just stop shutting out ideas we don't agree with and just. And quit being militarized. Like everybody has become yeah. militant in their beliefs. And it really bothers wow. me. Do you think inevitably we were going to end up in this point in, in human history well based on how he if you actually read history this happens every time an empire rises uh-huh. they get a fluency so and in, then hello. so in america this was based on the data from history and 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 observations it seems like this was inevitable but because we're such a conglomeration of a whole bunch of different types of people my i'm going to choose the optimistic route everybody's doom and gloom right now i want us to yeah. work on it and fix it we have all of this knowledge we have all of this amazing capabilities Let's figure out a way to fix this. We have to calm down first. Everybody has to calm down. They need to take some Xanax. <laughs> yeah. Put it in the water. Alex Jones has probably done an episode on this. Yeah, I guarantee he okay. has, yes. And that wasn't me saying to do that. I'm just no, 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 saying no, 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 don't do it. that... You're inciting. I'm inciting. You're inciting. Oh, lock me up. I would love to be locked up. I'm tired. <laughs> Guys, I feel incited now. Inside. I'm God incited on the I'm inside. Inside. <laughs> I'm incited inside. I'm incited inside. That might need to be the title of this, too. <laughs> Inside, inside in- incitement <laughs> no i don't know about that but i don't we'll know see. either we'll have fun i don't even know how we come up with their titles they just come out They're, they evolve <laughs> just like a poll results uh, yeah this we- <laughs> this podcast alone is a good example of how everything is fluid because you're going to see us over time evolve our ideas yep based on new data that we have new experiences based on the three eyes yep. of hypothesism we will constantly change our points of view and i'm Hoping it's just a, a lead by example kind of thing. Me too, because my ultimate goal is I want to live yeah. a virtuous life, not yeah. because I'm more pious than anybody, but because I want to do the least amount of harm to yeah. people and those around me. Uh, a good example. I was very biased. Like I wanted to be on Trump's side for all this stuff because I saw how crazy the left was being on this. And then I listened to this lawyer talk, you know, basically give me data as to why some of what I thought was wrong. And I changed my mind on it. Now I, I agree. Yes, it seems like Trump probably incited this. Not in the criminal sense, but at least metaphorically, it just definitely seems like he did and wanted it to happen. So whatever. That's just, that's the well, opinion that's I form. Well, that's where you are at right now. Doesn't, it, it could change yeah. by next week. Exactly. It and can, that's something that I want you guys to all think about is you're just in an emotional state right now, usually when it comes to your opinions. So maybe apply a little bit of logic to it too. Yeah. And go out and actually find like Differing professionals opinions. talking about this stuff so you get good data to your machine and so you get better more accurate results and if you are spending we'll time in an echo chamber whether it's a digital or one in person take yourself out of it like, it helps that's the first step oh, get out of your echo chamber listen to the other ideas again i don't like cnn but i listen to them so i, I can know. compare it to Infowars, so i can compare it to msnbc so i can compare it to what dan crenshaw is saying yep i look at so many different points of view so that i can form a more accurate your 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 conclusion's only as good as the data. Yeah. That's what I'm really trying to push. I'm not saying data's a god. And then also, how is the data collected? Exactly. You There's have to so look at that. Variables. So it's like, I just think really people need to start putting in more work on, on how they form their opinions. That's I think all. that's that at the end of the day. Yeah. Is... Emotions are, are, are powerful and necessary, but 
they can sometimes steer us into the wrong direction. Well, and if you're living in a state of enragement, because right now I the, there are pe- people in a state of enragement. I know some of them, and they can't hear anything anymore. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you're just being as manipulated as you say the other side is when you get in that state. Yeah. Don't let yourself be manipulated by the data farmers. I, I think that's that sort of sounded yeah. conspiracy theorist too. I yeah, that's like true. that one. So it's again, it's a very nuanced issue, and it very, is. It's there's complications, and and it goes deep. And so. we're right there with you. We don't right. have the answers. We're just looking for them. Exactly. That that's the the journey we're bringing you on is yeah. is our is our adventure to find <laughs> to find the answers, whether we ever find the answers or not. The journey's cool. It's the journey. It's again. It's not the destination that matters. Well, discovery is excitement. Journey. Yeah, exactly. It's, it, we're, it's inciting. <laughs> it's inciting. <laughs> it incites like, my brain. Like we goals. talked about earlier with the with the childhood wonder and innocence. It's like we're just we're trying to find that through discovery, through the journey to have that discovery. You have to to get to a destination. You have to physically travel, right? And sometimes it's uncomfortable. Well, we're ideologically that. traveling through the realms to come to. We don't even know where we're going at this point. We don't have a destination, but we do know that uh, we're on some kind of a journey. So, well, and we're we bringing it, you guys along with it. And we called it the Blueberry Brain Train. The blueberry Brain. We're on the Blueberry Brain Train to who God knows where. This episode's more on the. And we're not even car. in control of the Blueberry Brain no, Train. We're just on the ride, but we get to look know. out the windows and observe. We do. We That's don't know who the engineer is. Yeah. I keep thinking I might discover it someday. <laughs> Elon Musk. Dang it, Elon! Is there anything you don't <laughs> you have your hands in? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to leave you guys on one uh, just random piece of information that I thought was fascinating that I got this week. Drop it. Um, the. Time between the Stegosaurus existing and the Tyrannosaurus existing was far greater than the time between the Tyrannosaurus existing and us existing. And I'll leave you guys on that to to ponder. I'm pondering. Bye. Bye.